I, I do believe it is a naive assumption to make that every, every tribal council, someone will put their hand up and volunteer. That's not going to happen. There's a bit of heat building up in this little kitchen right now. podcast on the internet attempting to chronicle every single aspect of Australian Survivor right from the very beginning from Whaler's Way in 2002 all the way through to non-Whaler's Way in 2019 and beyond. It is a very exciting week to be back. We are here for our sixth episode and our second episode recap. We are here to recap the second episode of season one, the episode that is called Violent Weather and violent people back when they actually used to give episodes names. Uh, I'm going to first off start this episode by saying my name is TV's Ben Waterworth. Ah. <laughs> and that noise you hear, Ben, is me cracking a solo because you're right, we've got a episode or recap two <laughs> to get through tonight and it's all about solo. Hey everyone, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson and... How good is that? Ben's being referred to as the TV's Ben Waterworth. Is that like TV's Ben Dark? I don't know. Oh, well, I hope not. I don't want to go missing. Uh, You know, I I would prefer to have a career after the age of whatever age Ben Dark is. But um, yes, I was referred to during the week uh, by a Survivor Memes account on Instagram as TV's Ben Waterworth. So... Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I don't know what TV you're watching. Maybe there's some hidden cameras in my house that I don't know about. But, um, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But, yes, this episode today, proudly sponsored by Solo. Legally, probably not allowed to say that, but I don't care. We're a upstart podcast that would gladly welcome an endorsement. We have no affiliation with PepsiCo as a company. But by all means, if you're listening, Thirst Quencher is solo. Grab one now because if you're thirsty, solo's the way to go. If you're not drinking a solo while listening to this episode or watching the episode, are you really a 2002 Whaler's Way Survivor fan? That's a question I ask. I I think you're onto something there. And I want to say right now, I want people to send us a picture of them drinking a can of solo this week listening to ASA because that is... That is the way to go, all right? Layers, chips, if you've got some sitting around the house, maybe you've been there, I think, since 2004, I think, whenever they went up to Smith's. Probably a bit mouldy by now, but hey, look, you know, you might be a brave soul, but wash it down with a refreshing can of beautifully crisp and golden Solo. Great. It's fantastic. And you're going to you're gonna need a nice solo to get through it because we've got so much to talk about, Ben. This is actually a fantastic episode. Episode two... Um, there's so much to talk about and, uh, it is, it's a special episode too, because of course 
it is the episode that uh, the late Tim Duggan does get voted out in. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a special episode for us to recap tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And um, it's, you know, we obviously had a fantastic chat with Lucinda last week. And by all means, if you if you didn't listen to that, by please download it. Stop listening to this episode. Go listen to that. Then come back and listen to this episode because it's very much worth it. And we will tell you a little bit more at the end of this episode about a very special interview next week. So, um, but you're absolutely right. This This is a... A very interesting episode because I think really at this point in the timeline of Australian Survivor, this is where it did drop off slightly because, as we mentioned in our first episode recap with Cable a couple of weeks ago, there were clearly a lot of problems in that episode which led to a a downward spiral in the ratings. Unfortunately, we don't have clear-cut rating data with us, but uh, it is long known that that happened and it is a shame because i think as we're going to discover recapping this episode that there really is not much wrong with this there there are some issues which we will of course talk about but this is our whole selling point with this season and i said this to you off air matt that i've probably watched this episode four times now in the last month twice in the last week alone and it gets better every time it's it's such a unique way of watching Survivor, that it really just, it's its great. And I think that kind of, if you, you can sort of look past the couple of brief things and, and clearly they've forgotten about the issues from the first episode, here we are in the second episode. And this, this really, I think, sets the tone for what this season is going to be about. It's kind of, this is the level we're going to see. We're, we're getting some groundwork, particularly with Rob, and, you know, moving forward, we're, we've really got ourselves some good foundations to build upon this season to show, while we're trying to show, why this is such an underrated season of, of Survivor in general. You're 100% right. I, like you, I've watched the uh, this episode a couple of times this week, and, and each time I watch it, I sort of focus on different characters. And this really is the episode that starts setting up um, where people are in the tribe, if they're fitting in or not, who they're getting along with. Um, and, and that starts right off the bat with, with the very first thing you see in this episode, the opening scene, um, where, you know, it's day four, you see uh, a shot of um, Tapara, Tapara's tribe and how, you know, it's, it's about how cold they are. So it, it really gets you that understanding of, you know, this is really tough survivor. Like, it, we all know that it was extremely cold in Whaler's Way when when they shot this uh, when when they shot this uh, series. But um, you know, so we get straight into it. But what I love with this opening too is it's it's our first look at Rob and Shona and their relationship. We never saw it in the first episode, um, but you know, straight up straight off the bat, we 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 see a great confessional from Rob where he's talking about how Shona's mention that uh he's like her little brother and he makes that great quote like well would you broke your would you vote your little brother off i don't think so so it, it really sets this episode up i think i just wanted to quickly add actually uh as we're getting into this um this section that you're obviously talking about and i, I agree with everything you say this episode aired i will say on the 20th of february 2002 and i sort of mentioned a few times around that I was taping this and recording this on VHS with the G-Code. Remember, set your G-Code kids. Um, and it was the same time as the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics. Now, the reason I bring this up it might seem like a kind of a weird thing to bring up. This was the last episode that aired uh, during the Olympics. And 
the reason, again, this is it sounds a little bit odd, but I'm going somewhere with this. I do vividly remember with the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics, because, of course, they aired on Channel 7 and this aired on Channel 9. Channel 7 aired every night sort of a very extensive highlights package of those games. And if from memory, it was the most, at that point in Australian television history, the most extensive coverage of a Winter Olympics ever. And Matt's wearing a Salt Lake City t-shirt right now. So this is very poignant that we're talking about this. And you've also got to remember with those games as well, there was a lot more heightened interest from Australia's perspective because that was the Olympics that we won our first ever Olympic gold medal. Funnily enough, from one person who we're going to be talking about in a couple of years' time when it comes to season six, Stephen Bradbury, of course, famously, and then Alyssa Camplin won it as well. So I think that ratings as well around that time, it would be very interesting if we ever get those figures one day because it... While it's not the Summer Olympics, and a lot of the time shows will take a break during Summer Olympics because that does affect ratings heavily, that was really peak Winter Olympics audience for Australia in 2002. And it would have been airing at the same time as this was airing on that 20th of February. So this is the last time, though, we will see that because after this, the following week, the Olympics were over. But I just think it's important to put us in that point in history to remember that, that that could be a significant thing in that as well because it's not something you think about the Winter Olympics in Australia as being something that would affect your ratings. But 2002 was a pretty uh, you know groundbreaking year for Australia at the Winter Olympics. And I felt we haven't mentioned that already. And I felt like that was just something that we really do need to take into context when it comes to this season airing as well. And I have to tell our listeners that was not planned, the fact that I'm wearing a Salt Lake City T-shirt right now. I did not know Ben was going to mention any of that. That's just an absolute coincidence. I actually, I noticed uh, before we started recording, I could see the word Salt Lake, and I'm thinking like, oh, are you wearing a Salt Lake, you know, sort of T-shirt and anything like that? But yeah, no, it was sort of worked out well. But yeah, now back to what you were saying, though. I mean, the beginning of this episode, we're going to get straight into this. So the one thing I'll quickly say, just quickly as well, is I love the little recap that Lincoln gives. And I'm going to try and do my Lincoln here, you know, like, previously on Australian Survivor. Youngest survivor, Jane, wins for Kadena Tribe. Like, I love the way he kind of explains that. It's not, you know, like, this is Jeff. It's kind of like, Jane, show you know. Like, he just sort of does it in a very calm, mild-mannered Lincoln way, which I love. Like, I just, it's something so unique about Lincoln's style that just fits in so well with the vibe of this season, if that makes sense. And that's another thing when when you rewatch these episodes. It's uh, you know I, I talked about how each time I watch it, I sort of focus on someone else. But Lincoln's, you know, I know he's not a contestant; he's a host. But he, it's you're also uh, watching what he does and and what he says. And uh, yeah, it, it is different. It is different to say a, a Jeff or what we see with Jonathan Lapalia now, and of course your favourite Dicko a few years later after this. But um, but yeah, no, I think I, I love those sort of at the start when he talks about what happened the previous week, and obviously we'll see a lot more of it as the episodes go on. But this opening section, which you touched on before, and and come in any time you want to kind of add to this, because you know we mentioned last week it was a unique premiere episode that we did not hear a single confessional from the winner, and. Off the top of my head with the US version, I know that that definitely was unique in Australian Outback. Tina did not get a confessional in that very first episode. And just really, this has been a long time since I've ever observed a confessional account in the US one. I'm pretty certain that Sandra didn't get one in Heroes vs. Villains. Um, Whether or not that's happened in other seasons, it probably has, but they're the two key ones I know. I would almost bet a lot of money to say this has never happened in Australian Survivor other than season one. Because I know for 
for certain that Guy gets a confessional in season two. And I am sure that, you know, Christy, uh, Jericho, Shane and Pia did in there. Well, Pia definitely did. And I'm sure in the other ones they did. So it's a very unique thing about this season. And this is also coming from arguably the most dominant winner from the entire franchise. So when we get into this section, it, it, it just hits you straight away. Because as you said, you get sort of a little bit of a, a collection of, oh, I'm cold. I didn't sleep very well last night you know, living on the land. This is the beauty of this era of Survivor. And then it's straight into Rob. And as you said, this this is... We will share this on our social media during the week because this is a fantastic confessional. Rob, straight away, you know, I'm here to win this game. I get along with Shona very well. She thinks of me as a little brother. Would you vote your little brother out? Absolutely not. And like, just his, his wry smile. And this just shows that... Rob was here to play on day one, and it's just, it's incredible. This is maybe my favourite opening confessional from any player, even more so than the Katie one we had last week. This is a brilliant confessional. Yeah, br- brilliant is the right word. I said in our last recap that, uh, you know, we after what we saw of Rob in that first episode, there's no way you would have thought he would have gone on to win. Fast forward to this episode, one episode later... Him opening up with that confessional, all of a sudden, I'm trying to picture myself at the time watching it for the first time, like just hearing that confessional straight up from him, automatically you're like, wow, who's this guy? Like this guy's going to be a player. This guy's, he's going to go deep into the game where after the first episode, I didn't know anything about Rob. So it's such a big confessional and that line and, and him talking about Shona, him talking about wanting to win you know that this guy is the real deal and and he's going to be he's playing for the money and i think it's important what you say there too because you take yourself back to 2002 when you're watching this and again in the grand scheme of australians watching any version of survivor we'd seen three well two and a half versions of the us one cuz obviously africa had sort of was finishing up well it, it was finished up by the time they said and it, reading the edits and things like this was a, was a lot trickier back then because if you based it on Ethan, Tina and Richard, they all had variety of different ways they won the game then. So to be able to correctly try and analyse this would have been nigh on impossible. And it's it's unique that today we can watch episode one of Australian Survivor in 2019 and you get thrown a massive you know, home run in that very first episode with Pia saying, I'm either going to be first voted out or I'm going to win. It's basically told you in the very first episode. We had none of that in episode one. But then you could argue, okay, well, we've got this. Rob straight away has gone, I'm here to win. But I, I, I think this is an important note that props to the editing and the editors of this episode because while there are some very unique and odd things about the editing in this season, and we will definitely pick apart some of them in this episode, I think this episode, and tell me if you agree with this, it's such a great selling point for characters because we get so much around Rob this episode. We get Shona. Jane, the, the, the side of Jane we get in this episode. And then over on uh, Kadena as well, your man David has some fantastic lines. Karen, I am really learning a lot about Karen on this rewatch. We joke about Sylvan, but I think Sylvan's arc of being kind of just useless and lazy and not caring is a legitimate thing. And I think that this episode trumps last week's episode purely on the character building and what we get with this episode. This is a fantastic episode 
in learning deep character levels of who these people legitimately are. I feel sorry for the people that that tuned out after that first episode. You know, we, we obviously know that so much went wrong in that first episode and a lot of people tuned out and probably didn't keep watching it. Uh, you're spot on. Like, we learn so much about different characters in this episode. And you're also right about the editing style. Like, this is, this is old school Survivor. Like, it's hard enough... There's, you, there's no way from the editing you, you're going to know who wins this game from here, let alone it's hard enough working out who the hell's going to go from this episode. Like half, I go more than halfway through the episode thinking someone, a certain person's going to be voted out, which is Jeff. And in the end, they don't even go, they don't even go to tribal. Tapara don't even go to tribal. So I'm like, they've spent all this time on one character uh, thinking that he's the target. And, and for what, you know, so it, it can get a little bit confusing, but you're right. Like, um, there's some great character building with my man, David Haas. I think he has some – this is the episode that I fell in love with him. Like, I absolutely just think he's such a great character. The confessionals he gives is gold, totally different to anyone else. And, um, yeah, it's – it's we, we do. We, we learn so much about different characters, and, and it's a one of the – it really paid off for those people that stuck – with the season and didn't just quit after that first episode. And I really would also like to say that uh, we're hoping a lot of viewers, uh, listeners, sorry, watching, listening this week have watched the episode because this is, of course, the first one that's available on that official Survivor YouTube channel. And I think it's very important, particularly for people who are maybe watching this for the very first time, is that if you're watching this for the first time, you've got modern Survivor lenses on. You are watching this through glasses that you see Survivor in a certain context, and that's completely understandable. But you've got to also picture yourself and remember, and we're always going to refer it back to the US version because that's important to remember what Australians knew. We didn't get Expedition Robinson. We didn't get shows like that. So this is all we knew. So you've got to also remember, if if you're familiar with the earlier seasons of US Survivor, the first three seasons, and putting that into context, as Matt said, it's this old school version of editing. And... This We constantly have talked about that, but obviously this version of Australian Survivor has taken it to a whole new level, which we will talk about with some of the little quirks around the editing, and particularly as Matt kind of you alluded to, particularly around the really not knowing who's going home, because I would even argue, even at Tribal, when Lincoln says, go and vote, you still don't know. It's 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 a very... Those modern lenses, if you're watching them for the first time, it can definitely be a strange thing to watch, and that's what we're here to try to help you get through. Well, just to to get a a good understanding about the time period it was, straight after the Rob confessional, you see um, Tapara and Katie brings it up, uh, asking asking the rest of them, would you be doing this if it wasn't for the money? And sort of even the fact they're having that discussion, and you sort of well, Rob makes that great line about, well, if you know, if, if my wife found out I was just here you know, having a holiday, a great holiday while I've got an 11 month at, at home should kill me basically, you know. So, um, so they are clearly there for the money, but the fact they were even talking about that, fast forward now, I mean, everyone's there for the money. And if you're not, you're an idiot, you know, like, but they still back then, not, not probably not everyone was there for the money. They're there just to, you know, oh, it's an adventure and it's an experience. So that's the mindset it was back in 2002 or a- any early survivor. Um, so I think that was good that they showed that as well, just to 
get an understanding of about what people were actually there for. And I also think too, I absolutely agree. I think you're absolutely right. And I think today as well, the added layer, which I honestly believe is more important to most people today, is that title of Soul Survivor. It's a prestige thing. Like you would have definitely had that when you played, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, of course. Money, you're not going to say no to 500 grand, but surely to you, winning Survivor is more prestigious than winning half a million dollars. Well, that's the thing. I, I suppose with money, you can make that in other ways. There's only one way to get the title of Soul Survivor, and that's winning the hardest game on this planet. So, yeah, for me, oh, absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd love the 500,000, <laughs> and that was, yeah. like, just as one of the main reasons I was playing. Um, but, yeah, of course, for me, that title would be up there with the same, like, worth 500,000 as well. Um, you're right, because money can't buy that. Um, but of course, I mean, if you're playing Survivor, you want the money. You want the money. You're going through all that, through all the stuff afterwards, after it's edited, and you've got to watch it, all the backlash from being on a reality TV show. I mean, you want the money. And in this case, on this season as well, you want 500,000 cans of Solo, because Solo is super refreshing. <laughs> and if you're thirsty right now, go and buy yourself a Solo, because it's, it's great. Matt, have a sip of your Solo. I want to see you drink your Solo right now. Come on. I'm, I'm sure oh, you're thirsty. No, uh- I'm, I'm, I'm making sure I save some for when the, the challenge comes along. Right. Because what quenches <laughs> now, your thirst? It's solo. And you mentioned earlier about Jane, and, and this is another great episode for Jane because we all know that Jane's struggling a bit. She's 18. She's a young, still to this day the youngest Australian survivor player to ever play, and we know she's a bit out of her depth. But once again, she's still trying to prove her worth in this episode. She's trying to prove to everyone, hey, I can still do this. And that's another thing I love about this episode. I think it really shows Jane's determination. Yet She acknowledges that, yes, she doesn't have a lot of life experience. That's not her fault. I mean, she's 18. And, and you know, she's not an outdoorsy person, but she's still not just going to let everyone, like, do everything for her. Um, but she gives a good confessional at the start as well when um, Jeff, like, this is a great episode for Jeff. We, we actually get so many... So much story about Jeff. I'm actually surprised, but um, he seems like a good character, and and he basically says a line where that well, one one of us are going to win it, not the morons on of Kadena. And Jane kind of takes a little offence to that. Um, she doesn't like the fact that he's calling him idiots and morons. But you know, it, it it's a it does show Jane's character, and I think that's it's a good building episode for her as well. I think you're absolutely spot on, and I think that. You know, Jane's a very interesting one. I feel that Jane's someone that often gets a lot of criticism for being kind of whiny and just a bit of a freeloader, and we're going to see sort of she's always constantly a target on Tapara. And without a doubt, had they gone to tribal a second time, I, I'm sure she probably would have been the first to go um, after Jeff. But I think the thing that I would say about Jane is that for, for that limited life experience, she's a very mature 18-year-old. I think kind of... The thing that I respect from the way Jane is, particularly in this early point, is she's very kind of willing to try things, like we saw that in the first episode, this episode too, uh, and we'll obviously get to that lovely little scene with Shona. Um, But yeah, kind of, you know, just a few moments here, and we'll see that a little bit later on with the conversation with Lance and everything, that she's she's trying. And I, I actually really appreciate that she doesn't try to lie about her age. Again, early point in Survivor, probably not something that comes to mind, but we always see that now in US Survivor whenever we've got an 18-year-old. The first thing they do is, oh, I'm actually 22. I don't want them to know that I'm 18. So, yeah, I, I, I love this first confessional from Jane. I think Jane, too, is, you know, is a lot more of a conservative kind of 
sort of 18-year-old because, as you said, you know, she's sort of complaining about Jeff's calling a moron and things like that. And I think it's a great selling point for Jeff, I agree as well, because this all fits into that grand scheme of how this is such a great character-building episode because we're getting Jane. Like, we're kind of this sort of young girl. She's a bit mature. She's trying her best, but obviously she doesn't agree with how things go in certain ways. Then with Jeff, they're showing he's a little bit annoying. You know, he's rubbing a few people the wrong way. We're going to get the snoring soon, all that kind of stuff. You've got Rob doing, you know, like all his moments and everything. And then I think while we're just on to Paru, we might as well just cover everything pre-challenge here as well. Um, we've then got, you know, Rob getting massaged by Katie, sort of Jeff Brilliant. having a bit of a joke there about like, oh, what am I going to tell my wife? And then we've got old Queen Katie here dropping the second best confession, like just, just <laughs> gold. Once again, pure gold from Katie Gold with her, you know, I'm a nice girl, but you can't be a nice girl all the time. I'm not manipulative, but I'm good at getting what I want in a clever way. Again, just, just, oh, I You'd, just, I, I, I can't even say how amazing this is. Can I just say you do not get confessionals like that anymore. That is just one of the best to have this in the second episode too. Like it just shows you. And I, I'll keep saying this. We got to remember Katie was only 24 as well. She's a young girl when she played this game. But the way she talks, the way she holds herself, and, and, and I know we're giving credit to Jane, and, and and Katie's only six years older, but, I mean, wow. what How Katie holds herself amongst such big characters like a Rob and a Shona who – we, you know, we know Shona. We've heard this from Lincoln that she could be a, a, an intimidating woman, uh, that's, and that's not in a bad way at all. That's just the fact that Shona, you know, she had done a lot in her life and knew exactly what type of person she was. So to have someone like Katie at twenty-four, willing to like stand at the front and say like, "This is what we're going to do," and at the same time in confessionals talk about, "Hey, like I'm playing this game and I'm playing every one of you, and I'm going to do it in in a manipulative." Cunning way, brilliant. We just don't get that anymore. Well, I think, I, and definitely the thing when you say you don't, we don't get that anymore. We we may get that, but to me, it's a little bit more forced today because obviously a lot more people are aware of the entertainment and the television aspect of this show. Whereas, going back to your point before about how people are out there for the experience, very early days of reality television, so it's a lot more real to me at this point now, and I think that the naturalness of what Katie is saying there and the way Katie builds it. And even going back to that conversation around the campfire where they're talking about everything about like, oh, would you be doing this if it wasn't for the money? It's just very natural. And like, you, you kind of compare it to modern day. You think of someone like a David who, you know, on season six is obviously very entertaining. He's dropping some great quotes in his confessionals. He's, he's you know, ripping popcorn open to find idols. and But he's very self-aware that it is a television show, whereas you know here it's just it's very natural. It's it's not for you. Don't, like even the way they film the confessional, because Katie's kind of just standing in the middle of camp. She's not sitting on a log. She's not kind of you know doing this. It's just almost like they've stopped a mid walk, and Katie's just turned to a camera and just gone like you know I'm a nice girl, you know, but I can't be nice all the time. If you know what I mean. I'm glad you mentioned about David because yeah, I mean David was you well you know he was one of my favorite characters on last season and and I loved what he did but 
even in a behind the scenes shot after he got voted out, um, there was some behind the scenes uh, video of him where he basically is looking at the camera and saying, "Hey guys, like I, I was playing up to a character. I hope you enjoyed it." Like basically saying he was playing a character to get some laughs and to play that villain. It was like role. Zach from your season to interrupt quickly. Like Zach clearly was playing a character. Yeah, and we've spoken about that, and Zach wanted to be the villain. He went on there deliberately to be the villain. He's not fully like that in real life, but he went on knowing that that's the character he was going to play. Go back to Katie. This wasn't this wasn't put on. This wasn't some character that she came up with a week before she went out to Whaler's Way and thought, oh, this is how I'm going to play. This is Katie Gold. This is her, like, everyday life. That's the difference. And when I said you don't get that anymore – I'm not yeah, I'm not talking about as in characters, I'm talking about a genuine type of person that is just that's just what they're like. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you can you can tell a difference between someone that's putting it on for the camera and someone that's genuine and Katie was genuine the whole the whole way. And you're you're a hundred percent right. And this is again, I think, kind of back to my modern lenses comment, is that when you watch this and it's that self awareness of how survivor is today this is where again that when we're watching this in 2002 when you're watching it as an 18 year old i'm watching it as a 15 year old like this is what we're used to this is how we perceive reality television it's still very fresh it's very new to us it's very real and this is exactly what cable's point was the other week around the whole issues around maybe not refilming them because again it was a big deal back then when you find out that they reshoot a scene of them walking on the beach that that fled into the doubters that all of this was fake. Because what was... I mean, you ask any old-school Survivor contestant, the first question they generally got asked, oh, it's not real, isn't it, right? You're really sleeping on a, you know, a bed and you're getting fit. Like, nobody believed this was real. And we're going to see this with Katie. And you, people listening to this, everyone's going to get maybe sick of us living up how great Katie is. But it's important to see how amazing she is because she will have one of the most unique arcs in all of Survivor. U.S., New Zealand, Australian, no matter what version you watch. Because when we get to that finale and you see the emotion and the build-up and everything that comes from her, these are all these little seeds. And there's a particular scene coming up when we're in the water. Like, this this massage is very key to that because of this relationship that clearly Katie feels with Rob. We're going to get one in the water. These are all little seeds that this is planting. And this is where the narrative of this season is fantastic. And I think, again, it's another underrated moment of this season because I've constantly been a criticizer of modern Australian Survivor and the bad way that editors do of creating a firm narrative around a winner and an arc because they're more about flashy entertainment episode by episode rather than creating a strong arc, which you can struggle with in 25 episodes versus 13. And I think that this year here in episode two, we are, we, are, we are planting seeds in this, and this is what's important with Tapara pre-reward challenge here. This is all building. This is all building blocks. And even on Kadena, I think it's important too because the thing that they do very well in this episode outside of the characters is they show the dynamics of the tribes. So we kind of see, you know, Kadena struggling a little bit. It's all about the, you know, there's no leaders. We're a, we're a boardroom and, you know, they... they they lose the fishing rod and just like those little things that you think, oh, ha-ha, laughs. But it's actually showing that together they're a bit useless. But even with Tapara, 
like you've got a lot more clashes of personality. You've got Shona and Jane, you know, you've got just clashes where you don't really have that. But it it also shows unity because we're going to see them into challenges, arm in arm versus kind of a bit relaxed and laid back. And even here on on, um, Kadena, you know, they're just talking about tribal council. It's a bit scary. You know, Sylvan's having a bit of a whinge again, nothing new. Um and then even just the, the uselessness around the fish and the, the water and just all that sort of stuff too. It's like, it's just, it's the contrast here, which is so well put together. Yeah, it's an interesting first look at Kadena in this episode because straight up they're talking about, they're all, oh, we're struggling to sleep. No one's getting sleep. Then they uh, they have the confessional where David has a confessional and he's talking about, um, you know, that they all know that they need to, to do better and they need to deliver. And then they have the whole issue with the the bucket smelling like fish, and because they'd put some fish in the water bucket or the rice bucket the night before, and then everything's so it's just like that's all we sort of see them in that early part of the episode before before it goes on to like them receiving the challenge mail, and uh, yeah, you can just sort of see it. This everything's going wrong for them, and I, I think another thing too. I mean. Tapara had the luxury of they had some pretty big characters on on their tribe. I mean, and I'm not taking away from Kadena because I think they had some good characters too. But when you have a tribe with you know Shona, Rob, um, Katie Gold, I mean they're big characters. So if they're all. I think they were always going to get probably the more airtime, the the character building, and obviously we know what happens with Kadena. They get absolutely thrashed anyway. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to have that first look at Kadena where just you know, everything's still going wrong on day four. I do love just before we get into the reward challenge again, we're we're challenge mail, not tree mail. Uh, they get more rice randomly. Uh, that's kind of just a small little thing that they just get an extra. I mean, that's. Do you think that's a bit strange yeah. that after what yeah. four, four days they've got more rice? Yeah. Yeah, that someone must have been going a bit hard on the rice or something. I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, no, no trade offs. No, uh, give me your tarp for whatever it is. Um, but I do love the way that they read out the uh, the the mail, and then it's kind of sand is the key. They're, they're talking about the sand, and then the drinks. Oh, it's definitely water. It's definitely water. You know, like I mean, I will admit that it it is a little bit odd that after four odd days they're getting a, a reward. Like solo, solo is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like if you want to drink drink solo but like surely this should be more of a thing like you know a couple of episodes in not episode two i agree but it probably just shows you how much sponsorship went into this season like if if they're getting this early um promos within the within the episode that that tells me that they put some serious coin into this season and that's why they're showing it so early on but yeah i agree i mean four days in i mean you shouldn't be getting any reward at all Mm, especially yeah. when a few people are sick. I mean, we, we see a, another confessional from, from a man, David, where he, he's starting to feel better and um, he and he tells he knows he has to perform because they're not going to give him a second chance. So, you know, I don't know whether people should, like, that early on, be getting given sort of little extras because if you're sick, well, you've got to tough it out even more. Um, but it comes down to, I think, a, sponsor, a sponsorship thing. One one thing we didn't really touch on, just while you're on the topic of David last week, I feel, is that was it surprising, because there's obviously any reason, any excuse to vote someone off in that first tribal council. Like, it's it's all about avoiding giving anyone an excuse and then staying in. And I think it's very unique, and maybe this again comes down to old school survivor versus new school survivor, that 
that David really wasn't because I don't think David would have survived in modern survival. Like if you're sick, like that's the easy vote. And I, and I, I realize that Lucinda kind of gave it up in a level. And she talked a little bit about that last week. And I think the more interesting thing that Lucinda talked about last week came around the whole scheming thing that there were more people scheming, holding their cards close to their chest that we didn't really get a chance to see. But I mean, let's put yourself back on your season and, you know, say somebody is sick like David, surely that's the clear vote, right? You would think so, but it's actually, it's actually interesting because you got to think about my season. Jenna got injured at our first immunity challenge. She was basically on one leg yet. I can tell you right now, she was never ever once spoken about or considered to be the first boot. And she was on one leg and Fast forward to the second episode when when my tribe walk in to the reward challenge and Brian Lake actually says that he's surprised that um, Jenna was still there because she was injured. But I can tell you right now, there was there was no way in hell Jenna was ever going to be getting voted out first on my episode because it, at the end of the day, they once people make up their mind early on because no one wants it to be the first person voted out, and if they if they get real friendly with someone else and they're like, oh, well, we want you know Matt to go or, or we want Stevie to go. You know, they just go along with it. They, they will not ruffle any feathers they, as long as it's not them because no one really knows any. You know, no one knows anyone. You just don't want it to be them. And some people have the luxury of just having that initial bond with a person and they will just cling to them. Unfortunately for me, I didn't have that initial bond with anyone. It was just unlucky that I was with a bunch of bros and, uh, and the girls were all sort of keeping to themselves. I got unlucky. And, and Stevie was off, so I couldn't bond with him. But I'm guessing Lucinda, I mean, maybe David had bonded with a couple of them and that kept him safe. So getting back to what you're saying, yes, I think before I played, I would have thought the same as you. But no, it, it's not that simple. Do you think it then contradicts the idea that we need to keep strength early on because that makes our challenge, you know, better because we've got these more physical players because I, I always find it unique when you've got a tribe that's losing and then they constantly say oh we've got to get rid of the weaker links well what's that going to do you good you're losing anyway with the stronger links supposedly because it's kind of it's it's a bit of a contradictory thing i feel if you're keeping the people around that are injured and sick like jenna in your case when she's only on one leg if that doesn't really matter then why are you bothering to bring up the whole idea of strength to keep around well probably sometimes it's an excuse just to uh you know, to vote a certain person or, or for them to deflect off them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's at the end of the day, and especially these days, at the end of the day, people are going to stick with the people they feel most comfortable with. I, I think whether they're strong or not, if they feel most comfortable with that person, they feel like they can trust that person more than someone else, you know, they would, um, that's who they're going to go with. I, I can tell you now in my season, like, I, I wouldn't have been voting with strength. I would have been voting with who I would have thought I could go further with. So, you know, if that meant I had to vote a couple of the big guys out first, I'll tell you right now, that would have been more than happy to do it. So everyone's different, though. You, you know you would have survived longer, Matt, if you had have had a nice cold can of Solo. You would have um, you would have sculled it back. You would have been strong. You you wouldn't have blown up in trouble. You would have been safe as houses, mate. And all you needed is a crisp can of fresh Solo. Especially after doing all that running around looking for the idol. I probably would have... <laughs> Helped chilled me out a bit, probably. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, so the reward challenge, as I said, like, you know, the, the, just the differences in the tribes. Tapara come in, arm over each other, you know, just so kind of tight with each other. Kadena just kind of waddle all in, 
Sylvan's half asleep and doesn't know where he is. Um, and then the challenge is basically going to get a chest. Uh, inside this chest, you've got nice crisp cans of icy cold Solo, uh, a fishing rod, and some spices. And you have to transport this chest over a rope. And by doing so, you've got logs and you've got to push it over and you've got to keep sort of moving the logs and using it as sort of as wheels along the way. And then as soon as you get it over the rope, you then carry it to your platform. And this is the first time we ever see Kadena win a challenge. It's actually a very close challenge, uh, very closely matched. And I think actually, in all fairness, some of these challenges, they are actually a lot closer than I think a lot of people remember. Um, and, and in all fairness to, yeah, Kadena, not the greatest when it comes to certain things, but you look at last challenge, they only lost based on purely Lucinda just not getting the pattern. Uh, and the, the immunity challenge this episode, they're only going to lose it based on just losing a bit of balance. So kind of, it's not like it's a huge blowout. Um, but I like this challenge. I think it's, uh, it's a, it's a unique challenge. I think that chair is a, it's a very physical challenge. I think that when it comes down to it, um, again, the closeness of it, everyone's working together really, really well. And yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a fan of this challenge. Well, I think you're forgetting one of the major talking points of this challenge is Jane is forced to sit out. Now, Cable touched on this last week and, I was I sort of had forgotten then the following episode that she that she was forced then to to sit out because she had sat out in the previous challenge. But did she really sit out in the previous challenge? Because I know she sat out on the challenge that went wrong because of course David was sick and he uh, for Kadena and he sat out. But then when they reshot or redid the the immunity challenge on day three, David was was then okay, he wasn't sick anymore, so he could actually be involved in that. And Jane was the one that ended up winning it for it for him against Lucinda when she when she picked false and of course Lucinda picked true. So she was involved in that last challenge. Fast forward a couple of days later, the next challenge, which is the next reward challenge, she's told she has to sit out of it. I'm sorry, that is crazy. Should never have happened. Totally agree with what now I understand exactly what Cable was talking about. This yeah. is absurd. Bit of a faux pas right there, I think, from the producers, um, for sure. 100% agree. And, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair that she has to sit out uh, based on that. So, look, you can put it down to, to teething problems. Again, it's sort of it's very early days. Um, you know, we know that producers sort of were kind of having to create their own things along the way here. They didn't have a lot of input from uh, Castaway or from the US version. So, I think... I, I don't want to excuse it, but I think just in the reasoning behind it that you can kind of just, I think, put it really down to just the inexperience of, of the crew and everything here. Should, should I just make it clear? So it's not that Jane actually sits out because Sophie sits out. She's not allowed to sit out, should I say. Yeah. So, yeah, so just to make that clear, it's she's told, because you, you set out last challenge, you're not allowed to sit out. And, of course, Sophie uh, sits out. That's crazy. If she should have been given the option to, to be allowed to sit out that challenge, because, of course, one of them had to sit out because uh, Kadena were one down with Lucinda going first. But if they wanted then to pick Jane to be, to sit out, she should have been allowed to. But that she was told she was not allowed to, and they had to pick one of the other seven, and it was Sophie. Crazy. Should never have happened. Don't know why they did it. Um, yeah, bad error. It's definitely one of these things that I also think too, like, I mean, 
you know, a lot of people will sort of complain about this season and say, like, look, it wasn't like the US one. It wasn't polished. It wasn't the same. But I, I also think on production side of things, like the US version at this point in history wasn't exactly free of, of faux pas themselves. I mean, the infamous Purple Rock moment from Marquesas should not have happened how it happened. Um, and some people maybe, oh, I've never seen Marquesas. Because why? Because this season was airing instead. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think kind of there, there. I mean, there are these little mistakes that kind of happen, but uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Should, Jane should, if she wanted to sit out, she should have been allowed to sit out. It, it is clear as day. Couple of things here that I want to quickly just add, and by all means, I want to hear your thoughts on this uh, reward challenge. I love the fact that we have Joel is the puller for Tapara, Sylvan is the puller for Kadena. Now. Joel, again, enthusiastic, energetic, you know, come on, guys, we're going to do it, that's it, got that run, whoa, 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 Joel, like, go, Joel, what a guy. Sylvan, not a peep, he's just pulling, not even doing anything, <laughs> he's just, probably just thinking about saving life. Saving his energy, Ben, he's saving his energy. <laughs> he wants thinking about writing about a kid's book or something like that, Um, but I, like, it's, I mean, he goes gaga as soon as they win the challenge, they're all jumping up and Did down Did he want to be there? Did no, he want to be there? No, no. He still doesn't want to be there. I, I think that <laughs> he's still sitting around 17 years later going, man, what did I do? I don't know. Like, <laughs> still. <laughs> um, but I, the, there's, there's one unique little moment when they're celebrating. Current has this really weird, she turns to Craig. She's like, we did it. Like, what is that? <laughs> And, and while that happens, you actually hear, I think we hear for Tim for the first time, he yells out, never give up. And I yeah. love that because it shows Tim. He, You just hear him yelling out, never give up. You know, and it shows his character. Like he, He's obviously a real, like he wants to win. He's he's unlike Sylvan who's just like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Tim was there. Like he knew how important it was to win. He wanted to win. But there was an interesting little period there with Karen because, yeah, she, she sort of gives that look. And then, then it shoots to a confessional with her. And it, I, I, I actually rewound it and watched it a second time when I was when I was watching it yesterday. And uh, she says it was good. It was a good feeling seeing Tapara walk away sad. Yeah, and I just like. And then they do the shot of Tapara walking away, all disappointed with their head down. And it, you know, I th- I thought that was a good little confessional by Karen because obviously she didn't care that like that that they were feeling like shit. Like she wanted to win as well. For all for all the mateship, and this is the first time I think we've used the M word at all in ASA. For all the mateship talk that this season is tainted by, you've got to admit there is some trash talking going on early on. We obviously had the Katie confessional last week, and this week, as you said, Karen's like, I love seeing them walk away sad. Like I love this competitive trash talk we get early on in this season. Yeah, and, and another thing to remember is these are only forty three minute episodes. It's not like the ones now in Australia where they can go any upwards of you know. Um, 90 Eight minutes. Hours. I think we're still know. watching um, the finale, aren't we, from uh, season yeah. six? <laughs> so, yeah, they are limited to what they can show, but you're right, a lot of trash talk and good trash talk too. Uh, oh, you know me, Ben, I love a good trash talking. Absolutely. But I, and speaking of loving a good thing, Craig fucking loves his solo. Like, Jesus Christ, that shot of him, like, good-looking rooster, chilling on a can of fresh, crisp solo. Like, there's your money shot right there. I I want that. Like, we will put that up on our social media. Slow motion, Craig drinking his solo. But he didn't didn't love it enough to want to get stuck into him straight away because we the next shot is straight back at camp with Kadena and poor Tim he just he just wants a solo can 
Yeah. And, and, and Craig kills the moon and says, oh, well, I'm not going to have mine now. And then Tim's like, oh, okay, like, I'll leave mine. Because then they're like, no, 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 drink it, drink it. And they're like, no, no, I'll wait with the team. Like, what was Craig? Just drink the, just drink the solo. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange little moment, isn't it? Because um, he's kind of like, no, no, I'm going to have mine later. And then sort of, but like, it's it's weird because I, I, I love this, how this ties into David's confessional when he's like, we're too bureaucratic. Like, you know, I'm just the type of guy who just wants to go ahead and do it. And like, I'm really like joining your your fan club here because I'm really seeing this Davidness, the Davidness. That's what we're going to call it. Because it is very much like that. They get back to camp. They struggle opening the box. Again, bloody Kadena can't open shit, can they? Um, David and Tim are trying to open this thing. Who's just standing there and observing? Sylvan, of course, just staring. At least we don't get 10, you know, uh, little comments from him this week. It's so hard. It's so hard. I can't do it. How do you think it would be easy, wouldn't you? Um, but yeah, and like, literally, and I hate being a 17-year-old here and saying literally all the time, but Tim is like, oh, there's enough for everyone. Let's all have one now. And you're, yeah, yeah, let's have one now. And then Craig, no, I'm going to have mine later. Yeah, all right, yeah, I'm happy with water. Yeah, we'll have them later. Like, it's just literally like, David is so right here. <laughs> Oh, I know. You're right. That that confessional from David. Oh, this is a great episode for David. It's such a shame he 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 goes. You know, obviously next episode because, and I'm glad you're jumping on the bandwagon with me. Finally, you've got on the David Haas bandwagon. Like this I'm guy there. is gold. Like he's one of the best characters of the season. And just that confession where he, he's had enough. Like this is what day four. And he's, he's just had enough. He's had everyone with all the pleasantries, you know, having to sign off on triplicate, as he says. You know, he's like, it just doesn't sit well with him. This is a guy that, you know what, if he wants to solo can, he's going to do it. Obviously, Tim's the same, but Tim was a bit more, I guess Tim was playing that, he was playing smart. He was like, oh, no, maybe I do want it, but ooh, I might just have to wait and I'll do it with the group where, I, you know, deep down, Dave would have been thinking, just shut up and get, you know, have a solo can. <laughs> I actually, and one thing too that we, I I gelled over a a fantastic David confessional before when uh, they were talking about the fish and the water smelling, and then David said, "Oh, you know, even when I wash my hair, oh, the little hair that I have, it smells like fish, <laughs> like just fantastic, like yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you there, like sign me up, sign still delivered with the David fan club. This is he's he's fantastic." Uh, I'm, gl- I'm I'm glad you're on board because yeah, he gives us plenty more good good stuff this episode that we'll cover, no doubt. And we, we kind of we break away from Kandina here, and we actually get some really good Tapara stuff. And again, it's more just about the bonding; it's just the characters here because we kind of got this like sequence really, uh, where it starts off with Jeff's hurt his foot. We're going to see his gross foot very very soon. What the fuck was going on with his foot? I'm sorry. That when you see that shot of his foot, what the hell was? Go- it looked like it looked like it almost had to be amputated. Yeah, well, it, it, it is weird, and like, I mean, this also actually just ties into kind of we're talking up the editing, but there is some like odd quirks with this editing here because it's the first we hear about it, and it kind of just goes away too. It's just kind of like he's got a sore foot. It's like looks like frostbite or something like that, and then kind of it just goes away. So, I mean, as much as we're we're praising the editing, there is some definitely oddness here, which again. Put it down to the inexperience. Maybe some of this storytelling is not there. I'm talking about how it's got a great narrative for the winners and everything, but there are some definitely some odd moments here. But he's got, I mean, you mentioned about sort of being amputated. He's got that great confessional where he's basically like, oh, you know, uh, we, we win the next confessional and if my foot falls off, I'll just run on my stumps. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I love Jeff. I, I, I think I had forgotten a lot about like Jeff's character, but 
especially in this episode, like they give him a lot of airtime. And he, he is, a, he, I mean, I'm a police officer. He's a police officer. Like he, he was 51 when he was playing. Like this guy would have seen a hell of a lot of stuff in his life. You know, he, he, he'd won a real high uh, award when he was in his 20s for being a police officer. This guy, like he'd seen it all. So nothing phases in the way he talks, you know. I guess with the people he has to deal with in the community, you, you learn to talk a little bit different where he's now dealing with a lot of these young people that probably have never known or dealt with police officers like outside of the work before. So I can, I really get a good understanding of who Jeff is and I think he's gold. He's got that little sly humor about him. He's, he, he's a little bit off with some of the stuff he says, but it's just funny. Like, he, he means no harm by it. He just, you know, he, he tries to get a laugh, and some of the girls just sort of take it the wrong way. But, um, but yeah, i, I, I got to admit, yeah, that foot, it looked bad. You see him, he's talking about, oh, I'm just going to stay back and doing do some of the ch- house chores. And I tell you what, didn't he miss out? Because the very next shot is when... Of course, Tapara, the rest of them walk down to go to the beach. And, of course, this is where we see the bikini shots. Old Jane in a pink bikini. This is where I really started to like Jane because <laughs> we finally get the bikini shots. Well, I'm telling you one thing. It's not just Jane here because we, we had the little uh, vision of Shona's old spotty little thing before. And then we see her and then we're going to see a lot more of Shona to come. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, kind of Jeff just stays back and makes his little carving and that he misses his family but you know i'm with you jane looks great in the bikini sophie looks great katie looks great rob looks great in his shorts like joel looks everyone looking great here but this is i think producers on day two or what do we know day four day five by now that they're loving this all of a sudden because it's a beautiful day you see the crystal clear blue you've got that shot overlooking whaler's way it this is maybe the nicest day they probably gotten filming because they're in the surf they're battling there they're jumping around you've got the moment i mentioned before about how katie kind of ruffles rob's hair which you're going to see a lot of when it comes to kind of putting their relationship together and then even mixed in with that you've got joel giving a confessional with a stunning view across the coast and as much shit as this uh, location gets there are some definitely beautiful places and we really want to go to whaler's way so it really does sell that there and kind of just everything that crosses here before we kind of get to the ad break i guess so to speak is, you know, we've got Jane trying with the fish, mixing up with Jeff, and then kind of we, we end on this really weird moment where they're just kind of overlooking a cliff and they point at a dolphin and they go, oh, there he is, and you hear the, oh, and it goes to an ad. That's definitely, again, one of these quirky little weird moments mixed with Jeff's high family miss you moment. Um, but, I mean... Look, taking the weirdness aside, it kind of feels a bit odd with that pointing at a dolphin. Again, it's all just the the character selling. We're getting every single one of these players' personality mixed into everything here. Jeff's a bit annoying. You know, Jane's a bit pissed off with some people, but she's going to try her best. Joel's just loving life. He's loving everything. Katie's, you know, bumming up to Rob. Rob's having fun and just going with it. You know, Shona's just getting out there. Sophie's somewhere there. We don't really talk much about Sophie at this point, but she's there. Um, Lance, I don't know where Lance is. He's probably trying to work out if there's an alliance somewhere. Like, it's just, it's all fantastic. Like, this is just, it's weird, but it's fantastic. It is weird editing, and I've actually made, I've got some notes right here, and just at this point of the episode, I've just made a little note here, and 
I completely think at this stage Jeff is the one going home. Like all the editing, because we, we, we see a little clip of him at night where he's snoring and they're all laughing about how he's snoring so loud. So, <laughs> You're liking you know, Survivor, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everything at this point is pointing towards like Jeff's going home. Like Tara going to end up losing the immunity challenge. Jeff's going home. And then I said this to you at the start of this episode. Like halfway through this episode, I thought it was. Jeff, and then out of nowhere, like they don't even lose the immunity challenge, and it's got nothing to do with Jeff. So it is that strange bit of editing. You wouldn't get that now, but it, it was still good. Like I, I like the fact that they did build up Jeff a bit and what type of person he was, because obviously he does go in a couple of episodes later. But um, yeah, it, yeah, it was good to get a few bikini shots in there as well. Well, I just quickly, I wouldn't necessarily say um, you wouldn't get this now. I think that if we were to get this now, you would have it as equally weighted with the other tribe to kind of keep you guessing until yeah. that immunity challenge, because you've always got that red herring to throw you off. But yeah, absolutely agree with you. I think this episode is just selling Jeff as the boot. And I guess, I mean, you could almost argue they're not wrong. He will be the next Tapara boot. Yeah. So, but having said that, it's not for another two episodes. So, yeah, it's strange because they don't do a lot around Tim, whereas no. Tim's kind of been shown as a bit nice, bit, you know, and we're going to see some great confessionals from not really Tim himself, but more so other people talking Tim up. So, yeah, it's it's strange, but I mean that snoring stuff's hilarious. You know, Jane kind of talking about you know sleeping next to him and everything, and and the the Jeff confessional of you know oh, I don't mind snuggling up to someone's wife or somebody younger than my daughter. Like God <laughs> damn it, if this was on Survivor um, Island of the Idols, we'd have a two hour special about this, wouldn't we? <laughs> but, and that, it's exactly what I was saying about how he he's just trying to be a funny guy. He's got he's got, he seemed to have a, a good sense of humor, but. It, it can easily be taken the wrong way, especially by people that are younger than him and aren't used to dealing with someone like him. Like I think it was gold. Like I would, I could clearly see. Like I would enjoy his humour because I know he's joking. He's just trying to be funny. But not all people take it that way, and it is. It does get a little awkward, especially when like you know, there's got such a young tribe, and here's this like fifty-one-year-old police officer saying all this stuff, and they're thinking, "Who the hell is this guy?" It's it is brilliant. It just, it just adds to this episode and why it's so good. We actually Kadena here. Um, it's very interesting Kadena stuff. I think we're kind of using the word interesting a lot here, but again, I'm going to repeat myself. The character building nature of this, you know, through the snoring and everything, we've got Kadena, Deb sort of talking a little bit up about the Kadena battlers. And I don't think we've really given much, I mean, we haven't really had a chance to talk too much about Deb, but I think kind of the Deb stuff we're getting is really good because De- Deb's just like, Deb's the female Joel. She's just loving life. She's just loving being there. Like everything is fantastic and great because even when she's sitting here, and we're like, ah, oh, we're the Kadena Battlers. She's got this big smile on her face, and like, just like she's just the type of person you just want to bump into in the supermarket and get. Hey, Dev, how you going? Great. Oh, you've got all your solo in your trolley there. Fantastic. Let's go have a solo together. Like, absolutely brilliant. Who else would ruin this moment? Of course, Sylvan. Just, just a oh, little bit having a bit of a this complaint. This is so there. good. I can't. Talk, this is so good. I've been waiting for this moment to come up. He, he's, he's, you know, talking about the thorough different extremes. And then he talks about that he doesn't know how much longer he can last. But can I, can I just add that there's an even better, like, moment that really, like, it's a real blink and you miss it moment, but it just completes this whole little two-minute Sylvan whinge fest here. So after he does the, oh, I don't know how long I can last, we've got Tim, you know, mate, I can sleep on a rock. Like, you know, Tim just being great. 
He's cleaning out his solo can, and, you know, I think we've got that Deb confessional there where, you know, Tim's great, all this sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden they get the setup scene with Tim and the fishing rod, and he's like, oh, yeah, fishing rod eye. Mate, probably aren't Australian not to know how to do this. There's silence. Sylvan literally just stands there and goes, <sighs> and then, like, rolls his eyes and, like, turns away. Like, he's just, it's, I don't know why I find this so funny from, like, oh, I'm so sick of being here, too. Tim's just being nice and Tim's just like, <sighs> like, so Who funny. the hell on day five is already questioning how long they're going to last? Like when I when I heard him say that, I'm like, no, 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 Sylvan, like you're not doing yourself any favors here, mate. Like, oh, it, it is, and it just sums up his character. And I don't look. Is that why he got cast? Maybe, like maybe they knew that this is the type of person he was going to be. I don't know, but <laughs> it, it just it just goes throughout the whole time of him on the show, and it, it is a great line. But yeah, poor old poor old David too. Isn't he having a bit of a tough? time at the moment he's already got sick he couldn't open the shovel he now can't open um what what is it he can't the fishing rod he doesn't know what he's doing there and oh he's talk about having the first tough five days i mean david's got to take the cake for that as well poor david he's my man but he's had a tough few first days i I can't wait till we get to season three so we can compare sylvan today uh to peter sorry uh you know i mean peter quit uh but like i mean (laughs) i guess at least sylvan came out of this with a car um yeah yeah, no david is fantastic here as well because you know they rock up they they go for this epic hike to the rocks and they don't even bring the bloody bitch up i'm sorry like you have won a reward you've won something you're high on life on your solos and your bottle of spices like what else are you doing out there in whaler's way and you've walked two kilometers all of a sudden go all right, guys, you ready for some fishing? Like, all right, he's got the fishing rod. Deb, no, right, okay. Sil- Sil- of course not, Sylvan, you're off having a snooze. Uh, Tim, you got, you got one? Dave, no, right, yeah, Naomi, no, all right, cool. No one? All right, cool, that's fine. That's, that's, and then David's in a confessional. Oh, I'm not bloody comfortable with all this niceness. I, I work better around a bit of, you know, yelling or something. Oh, my Lord, he's so good. Sign me up right now, davidhousefanclub.com. This is where, yeah, this is where... David has, I think, his best confession. I'm going to read it. Oh, this is how oh please. Do yeah. you, give me a David impersonation. You're both bold. You're oh. both attractive, bold men. Go on. I, I don't do voices, but I wrote this like, this confessional <laughs> down because I love it. He says, we're all such a nice bunch, and I'll probably be more comfortable where there is a bit more conflict because I'm not comfortable with too much niceness all the time. He just like He's just clearly... He's this jack of it. Like this guy, he has been sick. He can't open a shovel. He can't. He can't <laughs> open a box a fishing of rod. He can't even. Br- he he can't even bring the fishing rod. Yeah, he has trouble opening the spices. But and then he walks all the way down to the beach. He goes to fish, and in the end, he's like, you know what? I'm jack of this group. He is jack of this group. Like brilliant, David Hush. This guy, oh, legend. This is. Oh, I can't believe we're just we're two episodes in and we're discovering just the you know the queen is Katie the king is David. Um, sorry, Rob. Like we know you're the true king, but David here is just oh so good. But I, I even He's like the king Tim. of Kadena, king of Kadena, the, the king of Kadena. Exactly. I love. Tim here too, where because this is that that great confessional from Tim, where he's basically like these these are the nicest people that I've basically barely known, um, but then kind of just when he's standing around and he's sort of like, 
oh, I was going to say something, but, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. And it's like, oh, just don't assume. Like, this is this is the thing with this episode, I think, going back to our point about how you just don't really know Tim's going because all we're getting from Tim is that Tim's just this great guy. And, like, he, he really just seems like such a nice bloke. Like, just, you just want to know this guy. And I just feel so bad that he's the one that goes home this episode. I mean, but Sylvan, for God's sakes, like, Jesus, what's he doing? And, and he's clearly aware that, that probably the age is the only thing working against him. I think he knows that personality-wise that he's got no problem. Like, he's a likable guy. We can – the little we do see of him, unfortunately, we don't see a lot of him, but we can easily pick up to – like, this guy's a likable guy. He's the sort of guy that you're going to have around for a barbecue and a beer, and you're going to hope he's the last one to leave because he's just going to have a good time with him. And he says it in one of his confessionals too about that he – he feels he's a father figure to the younger tribe mates. Cause, and I've said this a million times. You've got to remember he's playing with five people in their 20s on his tribe. He's clearly the odd person out at uh, at 51. But I think he's, he's fully aware that, yes, he's going to get along with him, but he's worried about his age. And he's just hoping that him being the father figure, that that might come to help him. I would go out on a limb if you swap Jeff and Tim around. That uh, Tim would not have been the first to go from Tapara. I think Jane would Agreed. have gone first, um, and because I think Tim would have been much suited to to Tapara more than Katina. And I think that Shona would have really liked him. I really think Shona and Rob would have liked it. And I think even Katie. I think Katie would have probably in her plans. We all know about her her whole writing down the plans. I think she would have seen him to be able to be used in a certain way with her plans. But um, agreed. I think if he he got unlucky, if he was in Tapara tribe, he would have he would have made it a long way. Great little Tapara sequence here as well, just before the immunity challenge. They go off to get their water. Uh, Jane and Lance have a bit of a bonding session and kind of this is where we get a bit of Jane, you know, like, oh, um, you know, they, they kind of think that I'm useless. Like, Lance just wanted to carry my water. Like, you know, I'm not weak. Uh, but I do also love this transition from Jane sort of like, I'm strong. I don't need to be taken care of. Cue the next scene of her laying down while we've got um, Sophie and Katie just washing her hair. Uh, Queen Jane, <laughs> like it's kind of good, and I like it. Is that Katie uses the word putrid to describe yes. her hair? I lo- I just I laugh. I laughed when I heard that. Great word, great word. But yeah, it's it's an interesting little sequence actually because we uh, we once again, you're right. We we see Jane trying to stand up for herself to say, hey, like you know, because you see Lance trying to pick up the the bucket for, her and she's like, oh, you know, I can take that. So it's good. She's aware like she doesn't want to be seen as this. You know, someone that's just going to be riding the coattails and not doing anything. Like she, she is aware of that, and I give her credit. And she's trying her best, and she's sick of people just underestimating her. Um, but then there's a great confessional by Rob, and it's it's another thing we won't see in modern day Australian Survivor anyway. Which he does a confessional only like twenty meters away from his tribe. You you see him in the background, and he he's probably even less than twenty meters, and. He's actually like he's got to be careful of what he says because he's he's trying to say it quietly because he's he's kind of talking about the tribe and he's saying that uh, you know the the eye rolling and all that's already started because of course I've sort of jumped forward a little bit but there's the whole starting the fire the matches with Shona Shona kind of takes over they they're trying to give Jane the opportunity to um to, to sort of yeah take control and and do the fire and of course Shona uh, steps in and just does it because she's like, we don't have time to waste. We've got to do it. And then, of course, that's when all finally on day five, this is the first time we've seen 
like any tribe sort of have that little bit of conflict and especially in Tapara. So, and I just think it's great how Rob has a confessional and it's like, he's got to be real careful what he says. Cause it's like, they're in the background. And I think too, yeah, I, I think this is great. And I think kind of going back to our swap, a couple of people over would have been different. Swap David and Lance over. Imagine David on this tribe wanting a bit of conflict because this is where like, we've got those clashes of personality. Cause there's actually a really interesting little moment, particularly that one moment when Jane's trying to light the fire and then all of a sudden, like, Shona just comes in and you've got that little moment from Jane where she's like, oh, how did it get started? And Shona's just like, we used the match. And she's like, you're wasting time. And just, like, get straight into it. And, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, Rob's confessional where he's like, you know, this is the first time in five days. It roll Eyes are rolling. Um, you know, this is something we haven't seen in five days. So it's, it's very interesting to think that Kadena are kind of a bit useless. They're all just like, oh, no, no, you do. You do it, you do it. I'm going to say it right now. Kadena is Canada and Tapara is the US because, like, they're not afraid to speak their minds and just go out at each other's throats and all that. Whereas Kadena, it's all nice. Like, oh, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. No, it's all right. We'll be nice. That's how I'm going to compare them. And that makes me sad because Kadena loses a lot and I don't like seeing Canada lose, particularly to America. But that's another story. But it's just, it's such a unique little aspect here because this is obviously the tribe where the conflicts are happening and yet this is the tribe that's going to dominate the crap out of this game but it's, it's such a nice little like shona's personality versus jane like, and shona shona let's be honest she will not respect jane at all in this game shona wants jane gone basically all the time we think we think david's got it in for car and I, I would almost go and say shona's got it in more for jane yeah, it's an interesting mix. I mean, I wouldn't imagine their personalities, are, they're just so different. They wouldn't be the type that would be hanging around each other outside of the show. Um, and, and I think, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even think it's an age thing. I think, you know, they're just completely different personalities, which is fine. That's what Survivor's all about. It's about putting a bunch of people together that have got completely different personalities. But I've got to ask this question. If, if David Haas was in... Tapara tribe. Do you reckon him and Katie, because obviously they're both wanting to play hard, do you reckon they would have teamed up or do you reckon they would have actually gone against each other? I see them teaming up because I think. Yeah, I that, agree. I think because you could almost compare, like, it's, it's tricky with David because we don't, we get these confessionals from, but we just don't really get any payoff from what he's trying to play. And I guess you can put that down to the situation that he, he didn't really get a chance to. Let's look at Craig, for example. Craig at this point, like we, we're going to talk Craig up a lot in this, but Craig's a slow burn. Craig really right now is not doing much. Craig's struggling, particularly when it comes to the voting. But we're going to see that later on when Craig really starts to show what he's capable of. And Craig has some fantastic moments in this game. He pisses Katie off because, you know, Craig's a snake. What's Craig? Uh, yeah, what's he doing? He's, I don't like this. I don't like that. So I think kind of, you know, you can almost compare Craig and David, but if, if Craig David. <laughs> Sorry. Um, good singer. Um, haven't listened to his music in a while. Um, I bet you Craig David drinks solo. But it's. I think that if you're there from the beginning, absolutely, I think they work together because I think kind of, you know, that personality, I think almost... David's almost the female, uh, the male Katie. Like, in, in, it's kind of how he's talking about playing the game. And I think his personality could have... If he had that opportunity to, to bleed through a little bit more, absolutely. I could, and what a pairing that would be. My Lord. No, I agree. And just getting back to Rob's confessional, the last line he says is it's starting it's starting to get fun. And I got no doubt like and this is where it's unfortunate the fact that they only end up losing the one immunity challenge up until what day 30 and and um 
So there's there's not that chance for the sort of people to get voted out like Jane or the conflict with Sh- Shona and Jane shown a bit more. Uh, uh, but I got no doubt if they would have lost a few more immunities, I, I reckon we would have seen a fair bit of fireworks in that tribe. Well, I think it's it's very important you bring that up because I think that it's just again selling Rob and you know going back to the narrative of the winner. But I, I think really it's also very important because I've seen a few Reddit threads when people sort of, you know, rank the Australian Survivor winners and the few people who actually like to include season one and season two, you know, there was somebody who was kind of didn't really consider Rob's win very good. because like, oh yeah, he was dominant, but he didn't have anything to work with and kind of, you know, I, I hate that argument. I, I absolutely hate that argument when people bring that up in Survivor, you know, they bring that up with people like Kim Spradlin and Brian Hyde. Oh, they didn't have anything to work with. You know, I think kind of like, you know, they were just dumb people on their thing. I don't think that's fair. Because Rob is here in episode two on day five, and basically at this early point in the history of Survivor, he's relishing this. He's relishing conflict. He's relishing people being in each other's throats. He's just got this wry smile on his face, and he's like, oh, it's starting to get fun. Like, tell me any contestant in the first three seasons of the US Survivor who said something like that. Like, Richard Hatch had his famous, you know, sitting in the tree moment kind of, you know, oh, I, I work in boardrooms, I know how to do this, I know how to do that. Like, fine. But, like, Richard's not saying, like, oh, this is fun now. They're at each other's throat. This is exactly where I want them. Like, Rob is just, he is a student of this game. He is so natural at it. He can form these relationships. He's got, you know, people on it. He's got people giving him back massages and, like, basically fanning this guy. Like, how... Modern Survivor, this guy's a threat. He's gone early because they can see how much he's loved it, but he's just relishing every moment of it. He's brilliant. And don't forget, while Katie was massaging him, Jeff was feeding him. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You're exactly right. And this is, again, the the genius and the, the absolute legend status that Rob Dixon has. And to me, anybody who says that he is not the greatest winner and the greatest Australian survivor player ever, they really need to watch this closely and see it because we will do an episode on this maybe one day. We will. Let's just say it right now. How long it will be, who knows? We will go through rankings or we'll rank the winners. But I, I, I would love to hear any valid conversation about how anyone can put anyone ahead of Rob Dixon because, again, it's important to put the context and the period that you're playing in this game you know, you can argue, oh, we had it easy, he had a begonging, you know, he didn't have to do this, he didn't have to adapt to the game because of idols and all that sort of stuff. No, he didn't have to do any of that, but that's not his fault. He's playing the game with what he's got in front of him, and he adapted to the way the game was played at that time brilliantly. Rob was never targeted. He had, like, he had votes against him, but that was kind of just to hurt him at the end of the day. He had a 100% vote rate, he voted correctly every single time. One of only three players in the history of Australian Survivor to do that. And the other two are the two that voted themselves out in Lucinda and Kim Johnson. <laughs> so I think you can kind of probably take them out of the equation. So, look, this is a slow burn. We're talking up Katie. But I think it's so important for us as historians of Australian Survivor to really point out these these building blocks to rob as a dominant player, and maybe arguably at this period of Survivor, if you were to compare him to Vesepia, to Ethan, to Richard and to Tina, I would argue the best winner out of all those five players. That's probably controversial against Richard, but I would say the best of those first four US seasons and one Australian Survivor season. I think it's important to remember too, you said that 
some people on on Reddit or or whatever have sort of said that he had. Well, who else was he playing against? Like he had nothing to work with. I disagree. I, I still think Shona. Well, we we've already talked about how good Katie Gold is, but Shona was a fantastic player and character as well. So don't sit here and, and and no one can sit here and say that he had he was up against nothing because Shona could have won that game easily on her own merit as well, and she would have been a great winner. Katie clearly would have been a great winner, winner if she won. And, of course, Rob won it, and he's a great winner. Now, look, I'm not going to say right now that he is the greatest Australian of all time. I'll, that's something maybe when we do rankings down the track, I'll come to that conclusion. I'll tell you right now, though, he's definitely in my contention to be one of the greatest Australian players of all time, and he's definitely one of the first picks in a, in a full All-Stars. I just struggle... And just on this point, and again, I know this is for a future episode, I struggle to see any flaws in his game. I just, I just struggle to see a weakness. And I think kind of when you rank players and you rank winners particularly, that I just I can't see a weakness. Like, we sort of had the conversation during the Oz Network's coverage when we were doing Season 6, and that conversation sort of came up about Luke. You know, is he the greatest Australian Survivor player now? I see weaknesses in Luke's game. I don't see weaknesses in, in Rob's game. So that's ultimately, I think, when it comes down to me is that I just I can't see a flaw in his game. And, you know, just this is episode two. We're finally getting some actual solid stuff from him, and here we are. It's 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 incredible. Uh, getting to this Muni Challenge, can I just say I love the, the male they get in the coloured rocks. I think that's awesome. Uh, it's like, what is it, stand tall, stand proud, whatever it is like it's fantastic i wonder do you think they exist somewhere still i actually was thinking that someone must have them i would love to find out who had them they probably sold them at the auction they're probably sitting in a box somewhere in someone's garage but it would be good to you know to, to know where they were and another great challenge i mean look the challenges i think for the major part of this season are great and unique i mean we're going to get to one there's the worst challenge to me in the history of any survivors in this episode and this season but a great challenge. So essentially, they've got wedges, giant sort of pieces of, of blocks, and Lincoln's going to spin a wheel every single time it lands on a color. Uh, a player from the opposing tribe has to pull out the wedge, and eventually, sort of, they limit the number of wedges. So then, eventually, all six remaining members are standing on one wedge, and whoever falls off touches the ground first. They uh, lose, and the other tribe wins. So it's a unique challenge i really really enjoy it uh jeff sits out this time for tapara uh we have sylvan removing wedges of course he's not doing something more physical than just bloody removing wedges lance is pulling them out for tapara uh i I love the spinning of the wheel and kind of every single time lincoln dings the bell um and eventually of course tapara wins uh kadena falls off strange editing i think kind of a bit of slow-mo kind of the way they sort of make it go out a little bit i do love the sort of the the introduction to the challenge how you've got this helicopter flying over whaler's way in the slow motion and all that sort of stuff it looks epic but um yeah i I like this challenge matt i think it's it's a unique challenge that uh to me is is great i wish we would see more sort of original ideas like this you beat me to it i was going to talk about those aerial shots um because you don't see a lot of aerial shots in this season because Obviously, like now they use drones. They use a lot of drones, so you can put it up there. It's easy. It's cheap. Back then, there were, well, as far as I know, there was no drones. They would have actually had to use a helicopter. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Drone technology, yeah. I think, is it's a it's something in the last ten years, so for sure. Yeah. 
So obviously it's expensive to have to have the helicopter go up and take this shot. So it was actually good. I, I don't mind throughout this uh, this season when we we do get the luxury of getting those aerial shots because yeah, it, obviously it adds to production uh, costs. But it is good that they're still trying to get some different angles where where now they're easy to get. So it is good that they're trying. But um, yeah, that, what about the Tapara coming arm in arm and walking? Now you know, uh, so walking arm in arm into the immunity challenge. You know, I wasn't a fan of that in the first episode, and I I'm still not a fan of it now. I don't like why, this. Why whole, aren't you a fan of it? I, it just. Well, I think Cable said last week it looked a bit manufactured, and and I agree. Like it just. I mean, I know when I was walking into the challenges, uh, I didn't need to be walking arm in arm. You just walk in. I, I don't know. It just seems it seemed to me a bit weird. To I see, I disagree. I think to me it shows the the closeness of them, and I think that when you've got someone like Rob, who is an AFL footballer, and you know he's used to this team environment, to me it's kind of almost like a, it's a come on guys, let's go in arm in arm, let's show them that we're tight and bonded and kind of you know this is us, and I, and that to me throws off. Kadena, because obviously with the current confessional we said before, you know, she's like, oh, they walked off hand in hand with their heads down. It's great to see. So I think kind of it's just, it's getting under their skin a little bit. And I like it. I like kind of this unity of that, that it shows. It's kind of a, you know, in your face, Kadena, look at us. We're close. Whereas Kadena kind of just hunches all in and Sylvan's kicking stones and thinking about Solo, the great beverage that you can buy now from your local store. But I mean, do you like this challenge? No. I don't. You don't. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm gonna, no, I, I'm going to have to. I joined your fan club. You. <laughs> I'm going I'm to have to disagree. <laughs> I'm glad you're on board with the David Haas, but um, I'm going to have to disagree with you with this challenge. The reason why I don't like it is a couple of reasons. One is, well, they spin the wheel and that's how they pick out what what wedge they're going to pull out. But when it gets towards the end, I'm, I'm guessing they would have like link. I mean, it's all edited, so you don't see it, but. Lincoln would have had to probably keep... What happened if it kept landing on yellow and there was only like a red and green left? Like, he just would have had to keep spinning it, keep spinning until it finally lands on the colour. I reckon the they color that, that. It probably did. Well, it probably did. Yeah, they, yeah, and they would have. They would have. But the other thing I I'm sort of didn't like is I still think there was kind of a chance for it to go wrong again, like the first the first episode and the, the first immunity challenge because once they all got on, it was still kind of big enough for the whole group to be on. And, of course, to par a win. But we don't know how long they were all standing up on that. They could have been all standing up there for five minutes until finally one of them fell over because it's, it wasn't thin enough that, like, Tapara still seemed to be pretty solid all on that one wedge. I don't know. I just think it could have gone wrong for him. I see. I see what you're saying, but I think that would have added to the intrigue. It then becomes an endurance challenge, and and the thing is, you've got those six people kind of all huddled up there. And if you look at the slow mo, when Kadena fall off, it sort of almost looks like it's David who loses his balance. So kind of like all it takes is one person to lose their balance, and everyone goes down with them because you're having to hug each other and kind of close in there. So I think it adds a, a unique sort of endurance mode to it. It's kind of like how on the Channel 10 version, you constantly get that one where you're sort of both holding a plank between your hands and sort of you've got, you know, as soon as one drops and you kind of each team, you know, it's kind of almost a a team endurance sort of challenge. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I like the uniqueness of it. So, yeah. Look, I just think it could have been tweaked a little bit better because let's be honest, it was always going to come down to the last wedge. There there really didn't seem to be any chance that it was ever going to end before it got to the last wedge. And I think that's what it kind of annoyed me. It's like, well, 
why not? Why you know it, it, the rest of it was just pointless. That it was all. I can't see that someone was going to fall off with three wedges to go or two. Like it was always going to come down to the last one. And so for that, I just yeah, I think it could have been tweaked. I didn't. I like the idea of it. I just didn't like the sort of the execution of. It. I thought it could have been tweaked a little bit. I think what I'm going to do here with before we get to tribal is kind of it's there's a slight little back and forth between Kadena and Tabara, and this is another unique thing. We, we very rarely will see. Uh, the losing, uh, sorry, the winning tribe get airtime. Although you kind of do in the Channel 10 version, I guess that's probably not correct. You've got longer episodes, so you do sometimes see it. Maybe more a US survivor. It's very rare you see the winning tribe. But obviously I realise some of these scenes are kind of intersecting each other, but I'm just going to go over the Tapara stuff here before we get a lump all the Kadena stuff before Tribal Council. Joel, love and life, ringing his bell, does his little dance, like just, ah. Uh, Joel's just, he's just energetic. He's fantastic. Love Joel. Um, and then we get like a, an interesting conversation with Katie and Shona. Oh, what type of rice are we going to have? Oh, I was thinking maybe some sloppy rice. Yeah, no, I don't mind sloppy rice. <laughs> it's just kind of, okay. Um, but then we get Shona burning herself. Uh, she's a little bit worried that they're wasting a lot of water and she doesn't want to be medicaled out. It's not medivaced, it's medicaled out. Um, so kind of, you know, a nice, interesting thing. You talk about the bikini scene earlier in this episode. At least that was kind of natural. It was all them swimming on the beach. If you want a gratuitous bikini shot of so, uh, yeah, Sophie, Katie, and uh, Jane on a rock, why not? And then, speaking of gratuitous, we're going to get some naked Shona for good measure here, Matt. Uh, and we get to see Shona's bum. And got to say, got to say it, decent bum. I like I like Shona's bum. She she's in shape, so um, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting too because yeah, you see the three girls. Is it Sophie, um, Jane, Katie and, and Jane. Katie? They're they're doing their little sun baking thing, and and um, we see a few shots of that. And then Shona's by herself, and of course you see her from behind naked, and and I think maybe that's what it kind of was. I I can't imagine that. Shona would have been the type that would have been off sunbaking with the other three girls. Like, um, she's just doing her own thing, you know. She she's she's probably she happy with where she is in the tribe at that point. She knows she's close with Katie and with Rob. So yeah, she's just doing doing her thing by herself. And um, it is interesting. Like, I I don't even know if you'd get that shot these days of a. It, that was early Survivor where you see a bit of nudity, and um, of course we see Katie Gold nude later on, and we see stuff in in season two, which will be interesting when we get to that season. But, um, yeah, it was a – I had forgotten that they had shown, um, you know, shown her from behind like that. But, uh, yeah, I think it kind of it, – it, it is interesting editing because it kind of lets you understand where what, what Shona's like as far as she's – not, she's not a girly girl. Like, she's not going to be hanging with these younger females sunbaking. That's just not her. And one thing I think is actually important that we haven't really touched on too much is is Sophie because we're not seeing Sophie really anything. I think maybe we've had one confessional from her at this point, but Sophie's a, an important part in this Tapara alliance because ultimately the breakdown of how this tribe is with this alliance is, is right now we actually do have a four. It is Sophie, Katie, Shona, and Rob. Rob is with Shona. Katie thinks she's with everyone. And then Sophie, I think, only believes she's kind of with Katie and just kind of on the fringe of everything there. But Sophie will become a very important part of this group who I think ultimately doesn't get as much 
airtime with it as ultimately the other three will get because then Joel becomes more prominent as we move on a little bit more with it. So it's interesting with the Sophie situation because she's the one out of this group that we're just not getting anything from at this point, which is a shame because... I like Sophie. Sophie's fine. I think kind of, you know, Sophie's kind of like Lance. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, They're maybe not the most entertaining character with what they say, but there's still enough there which... You know, I think they're they're important to to this season and and this tribe. Sophie more so than Lance. No disrespect to Lance, but I mean, come on, Lance brought it down to not knowing there was an alliance and just being a super nice guy. At the end of the day, this happens in most season. Like we, yeah, seasons. We know yeah. with season six, the most current season, it um, there was a lot of characters in uh, in that season that we basically knew not nothing about. One didn't even get a confessional. Um, when you have so many big characters, they they tend to edit around those characters. Tapara had some big characters, which we've already discussed. So I don't think Sophie was doing anything wrong. I, she just clearly wasn't as big as a character as a Shona, a Katie, or a Rob. Um, same with Lance. Lance, nice guy. He just wasn't as big a character. So they were they were giving that airtime to the big characters. Obviously, Joel gets in more later on. And, um, yeah, it, it's... It is interesting. It is a shame that we 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 don't get to see a lot of Sophie because I'm I'm sure you're right. She was big in that whole their alliance. Heartbreaking scene here, though. It's one thing I will say. As much as it's great to see Rob and this dominance, it is really difficult to watch some of these scenes in this season with Rob, when particularly when it comes to talking about his son and his family, because sadly we know what happens to Rob seven years after this. It's his birthday on the day that this is um, being recorded, and he's discovered that there's been a letter left in his pocket from his wife, and he reads it out. He cries, and just it's hard to watch because you know Rob is such a great player of this game. Ultimately, seems just the genuinely nice guy, and yeah, it's because we know that his son that he's talking about is only nine months old is going to be in that car with him and will die with Rob in 2009. So, yeah, it's it's hard to watch this. I don't know if you feel that way, but it's just it's it's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. Yeah, definitely. It's it's once obviously when you watch it now, knowing what happens in the future for when he gave that confessional and you see those scenes of of him um on his birthday reading that letter, um it it is it is hard and it's, of course it's heart, heartbreaking. Um but you know, going watching him at the time read that letter, I think you clearly see how emotional he gets. Like this is a former AFL professional footballer who has only been away from his family. You know, this was on day six, and and you know probably been away maybe a week before that. So yeah, he's only been away two weeks, but he he's that much of a family man. He you know he's he just breaks down as the thought of you know hearing and reading a letter from his wife talking about how much they miss him and all that. So it, it gives a good insight to the man Rob is and, um, and, and how he was feeling at that time. And uh, yeah, he was clearly, he, he was clearly out there doing it for his family to win the money. And that's why he was there because he, he wanted to give his family, you know, the best life he possibly could. Visually as well, just want a quick note here to how this uh, section is shot because, um, 
you know, the visuals aside from seeing Shona's bum and the, the bikinis, there's a there's a brief little shot of Joel sitting on a rock overlooking kind of the, the cliffs below. It's, it's a beautiful shot. It's just a real, maybe even a two-second scene. But um, just, just pay attention to that next time you watch it because it, it, visually it looks fantastic. Um, Kadena, this is where the action you think is going to be happening before Tribal. Um, we get a great David Haas confessional, you know, bit of heat. Oh, do you do you want to read it? I want to give well, you a bit of a David impersonation train here. There's actually there's actually a couple here. He does two. He actually did one just prior to um, us seeing all the stuff on day six that we haven't covered, which I'm gonna cover because it's brilliant. And then he does another one after all the Kadena stuff is uh, Tabaris Tapara stuff is shown. But um, just uh, on a side note, one thing I I picked up on which I had never noticed before or wasn't aware of the actual tribe flag did you ever notice it wasn't just a flag sort of it was actually set up as like a wind like a mm. the like way a, it was set up a, it's an hard. apparatus like almost a stick to sort of yeah almost like a like a golf stick and then yeah uh, that you put in a hole and it shows you which way and i had never picked up on that before until that i think it's just before um they go to the break the ad break and they show i was like ah. Oh, I, did, I never had realized that. So I thought that was actually just on a side note, that was actually quite brilliant. But getting back to my man, David Haas. Mm-hmm. So he does two great confessionals here. This is the one that after they had just lost the immunity challenge, this is brilliant. Vintage David Haas. He said, It's naive to think every tribal council someone will put their hand up to volunteer. There's heat, there's heat building up in this kitchen. He knows, like, it, this. he got away with the first one, you know. Lucinda put her hand up and said go but you know the nice and he's he's done with everyone being nice and he, and he knows that it's all coming to end like they've just lost their second immunity challenge like the shit's now hitting the fan and this game's going to start turning a little bit ugly then he does the the next confession <laughs> the next is this confession the creepy crawly one Creepy crawly one. Can, can, I, just, can to... I just? I want. I want. I don't. Want, I want you to read it, but I want to kind of like. I feel that we need to have a new segment, which is the David Haas's random confessional of the week that has no context with the rest of the game. Because <laughs> it really is so random, and it's like, what? Yes, this is, this is, is his last week of tonight. I'm going to vote for Karen, and then they just. Yes. Okay, thanks, David. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I I haven't, sorry, I, sorry, I'm interrupting you. I want to hear oh, this. Let's, let's do this. Well, I haven't written down his whole quote because it actually goes for quite a while, but I just I just wrote down the main bit. He said, the creepy crawlies are definitely getting to me. I don't like them. Then he goes on to say that he just he doesn't like the the bugs and the just everything. <laughs> he just he just hates basically hates every anything to do with camping. It's just brilliant. And then you get the the quick shot of um is it uh, who is it? Karen uh, no, sorry, is it Craig? Craig, sorry. Yeah, Craig's not happy about um, David or worried about the bugs and he'd rather be around other people. Basically, Craig's just like, what's this guy doing here? If he doesn't like bugs, why sign up for Survivor? You know, it's just a great another little David Haas segment. I love it. I, I really think he just needs to tie that into almost doing a bit of uh, Anakin from um, from Attack of the Clones. You know, I don't like bugs. They're coarse and rough and irritating and they get everywhere. It's, it really is just like, he just has the most randomest confessionals that are just plugged in there because if all of a sudden at Tribal, they're going, I'm going to vote someone out tonight because they don't like bugs. Like, okay, fair enough. But like, it's just, Dave's just like, yeah, don't like bugs and shit. <laughs> but, and, and it's funny because then, yeah, you see Craig saying, well, you know, basically, if he's complaining about bugs, well, I'd rather be around other people than him. And then fast forward to the to to the tribal council, and Craig Craig votes for him. Says, "Oh, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm just I'm doing it." You know, it's it, the whole thing is just 
It's it's gold. It's strange. It's different, but it's gold. And this is the thing, though, that like when we're talking about it, it's it's tricky to work out who's going home because you know we end up with what four people get votes in this tribal council, do they not? Yep. So it's 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 a unique one. But even kind of alluding to what you're just saying about Craig not knowing, I mean, we have. Tim sort of questioning who's going home. Karen kind of does a little bit. Deb's kind of almost, you know, like they're all sort of questioning it. And like, I think this is just again going into inexperience of, of this season and the editing because I can, you can see what they're trying to do here. They're trying to kind of throw a little bit of wool over your eyes. Like, oh, well, we don't know who's going home. Like, it's not something we don't see today. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of clear that there are four people who are going to be voting for Tim. So, cause, you know, it's a, it's a fairly strong, majority at the end but it's 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 very interesting and I, I think what also makes it really interesting too is that let's let yeah say let's take craig out of the equation because again we're not going to get good craig for a few episodes yet he's still a little bit naive deb is kind of just being super nice we love deb naomi just has i think one confessional where she's just like i'm not ready to go home the one here that's actually i mean and sylvan i mean come on he has no clue he literally says i have no clue who i'm going to vote i'll figure it out later who else is going to say that but like now, karen's a really interesting one here Karen, I feel, is two episodes in on this rewatch. I'm really starting to actually appreciate what she's doing because she's got some great stuff that she's talking about here, about how, you know, she's really talking about the youngest, fittest people going forward, you know, the mongrel's going to come out of me and just, just little things like that, which I feel of all these people that we're praising and all these people that get credit for, Karen, I think, gets lost in this. And that's that's through me, that's through you, through everyone who's even defending this season and, Karen's got some fight about her. She's even, yes, I said, she's got some mongrel about her. And I, I'm a, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that's who Lucinda was talking about last week. Karen's the one who's kind of keeping her cards close to her chest. And she's the one who's, I reckon, kind of been the influencer in this vote because no one else seems to be pushing for Tim. and But Karen's the one who who is here at the end of the day. So, yeah, props to Karen here. Yeah, definitely. We we see Karen wants Tim gone, and she she admits it that she she wants to keep the youngest and the fittest there. So she's fully aware that you know she's in one of the group. She's in a group of the twenty year olds, and she, that's how she wants it. So she's not even trying to hide the fact. Like that's she's clear on episode two. She wants the youngest, the fittest. That's what she wants. So she wants Tim gone. Deborah and Tim actually do a little confessional where they're talking about Karen and, and that she they don't really know what she can provide and they're thinking about voting for her. So, And, we of course, we already know that David in the first episode wanted Karen gone as well. He sort of said, well, if I had to vote for someone, I'll you know, get rid of Karen. So Karen must have been rubbing a few people the wrong way. But I think at the same time, she was she knew that she wanted to be in that, that 20-year-old alliance. So she was playing the game smart. Not a lot, really, I think, to discuss in the tribal. Um, I, I do love this kind of look of them all sitting there wearing backpacks. I think the entire back row are wearing their backpacks. The one thing, though, and we're on the car and train here, is when Lincoln brings up this whole idea of the $500,000, I love that line from Karen where she says something along the lines of like, oh, yeah, when you really think about it, your eyes light up. Ka-ching! Like the way she kind of says that. <laughs> it's very, you know, Lightning McQueen. Ka-chow! Ka-chow! Um, but then it's it's sort of... I think Lincoln kind of alludes to like, oh, you know, it seems like you're, you're thinking a little bit, you know, in the head when it's going to be individual. And Karen's kind of got that idea of like, you know, yeah, eventually it will be individual. Not yet, but it will be. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. I also love... Um, is it Deb who says, oh, it's Kadena Lotto tonight? 
Yeah, um, yeah, that that is interesting, and 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 Lincoln actually pushes her a bit more and sort of yeah. says, "Oh, so what? You you don't know who you're going to vote for?" And then she's he's like, she's like, "Oh, I've got an idea," or something like that. So he, I like the fact that he does push her a bit more on it as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And this kind of um, we said this in our very first episode when we I talked up sort of Lincoln's background as a journalist. I feel helped him here, and it kind of did surprise me a little bit in our interview with him that he said a lot of these questions were scripted. Um, but like, you can definitely see he does have some follow-ups here. And I, I think it's important to really, you know, praise that because yeah, Jeff was doing it and Jeff is brilliant at it today. And he sort of did it in the early days, but not to the extent of this. But I think that, you, you know, I, I do mention a lot of around my issues with JLPs kind of, I think that a lot of his seem too forced, too scripted. And he does do some follow-ups every now and then, but to me, almost JLP just goes for the soundbite and a bit of comedy every now and then. Whereas this was genuine from Lincoln. And I think kind of when he says, like, oh, so this is going to be a conscious vote then tonight. Uh, and he kind of says before they go to vote, it means anyone will go tonight. Like, it's just kind of just a, a quick little follow-up that he has there. And, uh, you know, just slight little, I think a real prop set of Lincoln. Yeah, I think Lincoln did do well, and it, and this is no criticism of him because he's he's it's obviously the way they edit it as well. But it did seem the trouble seemed very rushed. Like it was a great episode. We sort of we still had no idea quite who was going to be going home because half the episode had been about Jeff, but his tribe wasn't that tribal. Um, we get there, we're sort of not sure really who's going to go, and then it's over within like two minutes. It, was all, it feels like two, three minutes. It's, it's it just felt rushed, and, and that was a disappointing a bit, I guess, about this episode. Is it was such a good episode, great for character building, and then we get to the the tribal, and it's sort of over before we even realise. Yeah, and I think we touched on that, didn't we, in the first one? That it, it definitely this is one of the negatives on the editing because you're absolutely right. It, it feels very rushed kind of as soon as he's voted out, he's gone and they're straight into the, you know, next time on Australian Survival. Like, there's none of that kind of, you know, closing out music and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely. And this isn't going to go away. This is how this season is. Like, it's going to be rushed the whole time. But um, eventually we, we get the vote. I do love the, you know, David just got it in for Karen. You know, tonight I'm voting for Karen. <laughs> Well, he wanted to write her name down in the first episode, so he finally got to do it in this episode. Uh, Craig, again, like this, this, it's so tricky with Craig right now because, again, this guy is going to be amazing in about three or four episodes' time, but right now, I have no idea why I'm doing this. Like, he just doesn't have a clue, Craig. Um, Sylvan, I hate to do this, but I'm voting for the family man, Tim. Okay, (laughs) Sylvan. And Sylvan is a subtle, subtle, well, that was was the word I was looking for. Let me rephrase that, Ben. Uh, a subtle star of Tribal Council here uh, because he's he's almost the Eliza Orlands of facial expressions here because he's just... Just watch Sylvan. He's kind of got a bit of an eye roll, a bit of a boredness about him. He just looks like he would be rather anywhere else but Tribal. I've taken some screenshots of him. I'm going to share it during the week. But this man just, like, he's in the wrong place. Um... <laughs> Ultimately, the vote is sadly for Tim. Uh, the vote, uh, he gets four votes. So uh, Naomi, Karen, Sylvan, and Deb all vote for Tim. Craig votes for David. <laughs> Craig, David. Uh, David votes for Karen, and Tim votes for Deb. So it's, it's interesting that we've got a real sort of split here, and this is the biggest split in the entire season. This is the uh, only time this season we have more than three people voted for. I, I believe this would have been broken since, I'm sure, in the Channel 10 versions we've had more than four people voted for. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's sad. Tim Tim goes, and he's, he's closing words. I do actually like his... His closing words when he's kind of like, you know, oh, I think they're going to find it extremely difficult for him, you know, moving on and everything. 
And it's a shame. I feel like, you know, kind of our closing thoughts here on Tim because I think we've talked him up uh, this episode and last week. It's sort of, from what we get, he just seems like a genuinely nice guy, a bit of a, you know, classic Aussie bloke, like last week around the bondage, sort of joking here, but even here sort of just taking a step back and not trying to rub rub people the wrong way and loves his solo and kind of the dad figure and just... It's a shame. And I think you and I are a little bit biased here too because we'll talk about a great episode we've got next week around him, which really, I think, we discovered even more love for him. And it's it's really such a shame that he didn't last longer. I think he was on the wrong tribe. I think we touched on it before. I think he would have done so much better on Tapara. And ultimately, as we know too... Uh, sadly, no longer with us. He, he died in 2016, which again, we'll talk a little bit more about that in regards to next week. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sad that Tim went second. I, I think in the past, I don't think I really took much notice of it. It was kind of like, okay, cool, Tim's a second to go. But um, yeah, no, this this is this is a tricky one for me. This is actually really sad for me to think that Tim, Tim should have lasted a lot longer than two episodes. I don't think people truly appreciate how much luck is involved in Survivor. And this is a classic case of bad luck for Tim, the fact that he was put on Kadena. If he could have easily been put on Tapara, and it, I got no doubt it would have been much better in his favour, completely different experience for him. Unfortunately, he gets put on a tribe with five 20-year-olds and they keep losing and he's second out. Like, there is so much luck and that is that is Survivor. And if people don't think luck's got a lot to do with it, I, I, I have to disagree with them because this is, once again, a classic case that Tim was just unlucky. And it is sad, especially now, the fact that, you know, he did pass away in two, 2016 and we're, we're going back and watching. We, we we really only see little snippets of him, don't we, and a few little confessionals. We we don't really we, – we get a we get a bit of an understanding of the type of personality he was, but we, we don't get an understanding of what type of survivor play he was and we'll probably never know how good he could have been. But um, I'm glad that at least we get an understanding of – you know, his personality and that, you know, in the end, he was probably, he was, look, he was probably one of the most likable players in the whole cast. Just a couple of things on Tim. Just um, I feel kind of it's important to, to eulogize a player when they're uh, voted out of the game. Um, and obviously sometimes we'll do this with an interview with them the following week and all that sort of stuff. But just, you know, according to the, the official Survivor Guide, he's some, you know, interesting facts. He had a pet called Matt the Cat at a time of playing. Uh, his luxury item was a family photo. Um, what pisses him off? He doesn't like sloppiness. Um, that's fair enough. He's a contract painter going into this. Actually born in London, um, but uh, resided in New South Wales, of course. And um, favourite actor was Russell Crowe. Favourite actress, Julia Roberts. His favourite snack food, hot chips. Sadly, his favourite non-alcoholic beverage was not solo. It was Coke. Let's be honest. We know he's <laughs> wrong. The best non-alcoholic beverage is a crisp can of icy cold solo. So... Um, there you go, Tim. Tim Duggan, um, one of the more underrated players in the history of, of Australian Survivor. And uh, where would we compare him to second boots? Um, I mean, God, that's, a, that's we all remember the first boot. You're in that exclusive club, Mr. Dyson. But um, <laughs> gosh, do we? can we remember the, uh, the, the second boots off the top of our head? Well, of course... Russell Hans was the second boot from my season, uh, but that's yeah. a bit different. Obviously, obviously we can't uh, compare Russell to Tim, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting one, and, and I, I think probably this, yeah, you know, these days the second boot would get more more airtime 
and uh, you'd probably get a bit more understanding of the way they're actually playing the game. So, like I said, I don't think we'll, we'll never know what type of survivor player Tim was, but um, you know, we we definitely know that very likable and genuine guy. I know. Um... I was a bit of a second boot advocate on Survivor Oz back in the day. So, uh, I mean, if we quickly just go over this. So, Tim, we know he's better than a certain second boot next season. Uh, <laughs> ben. Oh, God. Oh, the oh that episode is going to be two. fun talking about him. Of course, uh, Bianca. Bianca yeah, was Bianca. the... Um, yep. One of the most uh, idiotic votes in the history of uh, any survivor that she went home. Oh God, that is going to be a fun episode to cover. Uh, Adam, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually catching up with Bianca next week. So, I don't think Bian- I don't think Bianca did anything wrong. I think that the tribe of voting her out was the one who did yeah. the wrong. So, oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Just one of the most idiotic things I've ever seen. Uh, Adam, uh, I liked Adam uh, in season four, as you said, Russell, and uh, our most recent second boot, Laura. So, I mean, look. Tim, I would have to say, if I had to rank them, you know, he's probably going to come out very close to the top there. I- I'm a Russell fanboy, but it's hard to defend Russell in Australian Survivor. So, yeah. Well, I, d- I don't think Tim did anything wrong. And I think that's, at yeah. the end of the day, I don't think he did nothing wrong. It was it was once again the case that he was, it was his age. It was, and it, I think even he would have known that, that fact that he got unlucky, wrong tribe, he was the wrong age. The f- and the fact that they lost two in a row, like if if they had won a couple in a row, things would have been different. And maybe yep. if they lost, you know, like if it was a complete other way around, he would have made it at least to day thirty and beyond. So, you know, as we know, Lance made it to day thirty because it, it was his second tribal that he had been to. You know, so um, yeah, it's it, it was just unlucky for Tim. And um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely gonna rate him. We'll have to we'll have to do a definitely definitely do a full rating soon. We will, yeah. Don't, don't one one to thing I want to say too, Ben. Network. I don't even know. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. One thing I want to say too, just getting, uh, just like with this episode, right at the end, Lincoln, he says a line that I absolutely love and it, it there's so much relevance to it later on. He he tells the remaining tribe mates that the next immunity challenge is vital for him. And, of course, he didn't know what was going to happen you know, over the next 30 days. But um, was he spot on or what? How vital was it? Because... They lost so many. He he was spot on when he told them that. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, that, let's not beat around the bush. They win one immunity challenge and it's still yeah. two episodes away. So, um, yeah, absolutely correct. And it's, it's again, a lot of people criticize this season for it just being a full-on pagonging. I, I'm not someone who is anti-pagonging. I think you just have this. It happens. This is just what happens sometimes. You know, we did not have this every single season in US Survivor. People seem to have this revisionist history before tribe swaps that we just had pure dominance by one tribe all the time. You know, games change. This happens, that happens. And you still have dominant tribes, um, alliances and everything happening even when you switch tribes up. It's not a pure aspect of let's avoid a pagonging by doing tribe swaps. But um, And I think Pagongings make for entertaining seasons because you get these underdog stories and then even then you've got to really like, look, it, it adds an element to it when you've kind of got half a tribe having to battle and they're the final six left in the game. Like, I don't know. I just, I find that fascinating. So anyway, that's a debate for another day. Uh, the, next week on Survivor, we get the whole, you know, tempers are simmering and the axe starts to fall and we're going to learn a little bit around... Uh, a bit of a faux pas here, maybe, from uh, Kadena in voting out a man who is uh, relevant when it comes to swinging 
the axe. But um, there we go. That is episode two of uh, season one of Australian Survivor. Uh, and uh, we've said it. This is this is a thoroughly entertaining episode. And I think kind of, um, yeah, it's a shame that episodes didn't turn back. Uh, viewers didn't turn back into episode two because I think they missed out a lot here. They, they really did miss out a lot here. Yeah, this was obviously clearly a much better episode than episode one. I mean, by 100%. This was a, a really great episode. And I said at the start of this podcast, it, it it's a payoff for the people that stuck with it to episode two. And, and I think if you would have stuck with it by episode two, you're keen to see what's going to happen next. And um, yeah, I mean, we got so, next episode gets interesting as well. So this, it does. It just keeps on getting better from here. And next week... We're very excited, actually, for our own episode, episode seven of ASA. It is a it is a fantastic episode that we have, and I am going to hand the floor to you, Mister Dyson, because you were the one who who managed to arrange this episode, and I'm very excited for people to be able to hear this one. Tell tell, tell everyone what's happening next week. So next week um, we have a very special guest in Tim Duggan's wife. Jenny Duggan, um, I've managed to track down. It was something that um, Ben and I had spoken about when we were putting ASA together and uh, doing season one. And I was very, um, it was something I really wanted to do is make sure that, you know, obviously we've got a few cast members that have passed away, but we, we still want, we didn't want to leave them out. We wanted to make sure that we, we covered off on their episodes and, and um, you know, got to speak to family members. And uh, it took me a while, but I managed to tr- track down uh, Jenny Duggan and, yeah, next week you've got to, got to listen out for the interview because um, she gives a great insi- insight of who Tim was and, and how he got on the show. And um, we have a few little uh, special treats for you um, on our social media pages with uh, involving Tim along the way. So it's going to be one that you're, you're not going to want to miss. And we also ha- um, I won't allude to it too much, but we get a little special guest uh, halfway through the interview as well. So um, it's definitely one that um, I'm really happy that we were able to do, and I think it turned out really well. And um, yeah, uh, Ben, what, what do you think? Do you think uh, you think it's one that the listeners are going to want to uh, hear? Every episode's a episode our <laughs> listeners want to hear, Matt. No, but in all seriousness, it, it is actually a really fantastic episode, and I am very thankful for Matt for for tracking down Jenny. And it, it is, I agree completely with you saying that. We obviously want to be able to pay tribute to the two players that sadly no longer with us. And sadly, both players who have died in Australian Survivor history are from this season. So, um, yeah, and I think that we only found out that Tim had passed away a couple of years ago on the Oz Network when we had Lance on for the very first time. And it wasn't really well known. I don't think it had ever been publicized. And kind of even to that extent, we didn't know the full details around it. So we've had we've had the privilege of being able to, to, to chat with Jenny and a lot of Tim's family and friends have, have then been led to our page and our show and have shared some stories about Tim as well. So as as you said, we will have a few special things uh, being put out in the week. We will actually have Tim's full audition tape, which has been sent to us, which we are very, very grateful for. And it's a fantastic audition tape. So things like that we will have for you. And just kind of, yeah, special week-long tribute to the man because I think it's important because I think that it's it's important to pay respect to these players who have played the game when they do leave us. You know, I think kind of in the US version, you know, I think we've had six now that have left us. And in my eyes, only two of them were really ever paid ultimate tribute to. And um, we're kind of obviously seeing one recently with, with Rudy. But I don't, I don't think your status in the game, whether you're a winner and one of the greats versus a, you know, a second boot in the lives of Tim Duggan, shouldn't matter. You, you contributed to Survivor. You should be um, paid tribute to. And this is what we hope to do in the next week. So it's a great chat. And um, yeah, thoroughly recommend people listening to it. It's, it's one you won't want to miss. 
and that's one thing I can guarantee you that here at ASA we're always going to do. If there's ever you know, a tragedy and, and, a, and a contestant passes away, doesn't matter if you know where they came in the game. We're going to give them you know the 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 tribute they they deserve. And um, you know, at the end of the day, Tim, Tim's he was an original Australian Survivor player, original Survivor contestant. And um, yes, yeah, so for us to be able to give him this tribute, all this you know, a few years later, and all these years later from when he played, is um, it is it's an honour. And uh, I can't wait to yeah have this whole week dedicated to Tim. The uh, the first ever male voted out of Australian Survivor. It makes him the BB Anderson of uh, Australian Survivor. So there you go. Couple of little things before we close it out. Just two quick little corrections I want to make here. I was going to do this at the beginning, but I'm going to do it right now. First of all, uh, Solo is actually made by Schweppes, not PepsiCo. So I do apologise. Get fucked, PepsiCo. We don't like you. We love Schweppes. <laughs> Schweppes is incredible. What a great company. Schweppevescence. Iconic Australian brand, just just amazing. So drink your solo, buy your Schweppes, just just cover yourself in it. I love how now all of a sudden you're sucking up to Schweppes. Well, in all fairness, I actually don't like Pepsi. Pepsi tastes like shit. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you turned but, on Pepsi quick there. <laughs> fuck Pepsi. If it was Coke, I'm all down for it. I'm I'm, I'm a Coke boy. But uh, anyway, and the other correction I wanted to make, and a uh, big shout out to. Uh, Kiwi Jeff fan on Twitter because I did make a bit of a faux pas myself last week. I referred to the host of Survivor New Zealand as Matt Sharp. It is actually, of course, Matt Chisholm, the iconic Matt Chisholm. And I hope we cover Survivor New Zealand one day. I know it's probably going to be a side project and have to do New Zealand Survivor archives, but you you talk about being in the uh, the David Haas fan club, mate. Um, I'm not the number one Matt Chisholm fan because that belongs to Kiwi Jeff fan on Twitter. But if you want an energetic, enthusiastic host who just loves life, Matt Chisholm is your man. So uh, I apologise profusely to to Kiwi Jeff fan and the icon, the New Zealand icon that is Mr. Matt Chisholm. I love that this Kiwi Jeff is. Uh keeping you in check ben i think we need more of this he's doing a lot he's doing his fact checking he's keeping you in check he's making sure that you're not slipping up uh, even the icon ben waterworth makes mistakes on survivor podcast who would have thought kiwi jeff is committing to visiting me in invercargill next march and uh, we are also hoping that matt chisholm is also coming down we're going to be doing a fun run we're going to be doing a surf to city event here in invercargill and i i have to respect uh kiwi jeff fan because you think that you're obsessed with David Harsh. You think I'm obsessed with Katie Gold. You think everyone is obsessed with Solo because it's such a fantastic drink. You should all be drinking it. There is no man, I have, man, woman, child, anyone that I've ever seen obsessed with somebody as much as I've seen Kiwi Jeff fan obsessed with Matt Chisholm. So he he deserves love and just pure love because, you know, who doesn't love Matt Chisholm? This guy is beautiful. Like, my goodness, he's an attractive man. And living in New Zealand... There's not many attractive people here, let's be honest. And, I mean, Matt Chisholm is just like, he's, a, he's an Adonis versus whoever else they've got here. So You're making me want to watch New Zealand Survivor now. I've never seen it. <laughs> just watch it for Matt. Like, ultimately, if, I had to, if there was some random episode that we do, the best moments from a, a host in Survivor history, there is a, a challenge in the first season where I swear Matt was going to blow an O-ring or something like that. Like, he was so excited. He's like, Bob wins immunity! Oh, my God! Like, he's just, he's incredible. Matt is a legend. Just absolute legend. If Jeff Proach retires, I want to see Matt Chisholm taken over as host. He's that bloody good. 
Um, thanks to Kiwi Jeff Ann and to everybody else too uh, who has been listening. We really, really do appreciate it and uh, keep up the great support on social media. It's fantastic to see all the interactions and whether that's on Facebook, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on Instagram. We do read everything, as we always say. It's great to hear from you. So please, if you have any other feedback in between now and our next episodes, let us know because we definitely would like to keep in touch with it. We do strive to post something every single day on social media to kind of keep active out there and give some great little tidbits. Of course, Tuesdays, for example, Trivia Tuesday is going to be something we're going to keep up. And, yeah, we, we, we enjoy sort of interacting with you out there as we continue on here with, with ASA. Uh, next week's going to be great. We've got some other great stuff coming your way as well. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the channels as well that were out there, uh, Instagram as well, follow us on there. And bloody drink solo because it's, it's bloody fantastic. It's, it's so good, it's so incredible that you just you should be drinking it right now no matter what you're doing in life. My name is Ben and I have nothing else to say except solo, solo, I'm flying solo, I'm flying solo, I'm solo, whatever Jason Drulo says, solo. And my name's Matt Dyson, and the creepy crawlies are definitely getting to me. I don't like them. Everything smells like fish. I washed my hair, or what's left of it, and my head smells like fish now. Her comment has been that she's felt like that I may be like her little brother or something. Well, would you vote your little brother off early? I, I don't think so. I'm just sowing some seeds in some of these guys. Because, you know, people look at me, they think I'm a really nice girl. You know, and I am a nice girl. But I want, and I want them to know that. But also, I'm clever and I'm smart and I'm, and I'm a winner, you know. So, you can't be a nice girl all the time. You can't go on the field and play like a nice girl. You've got to play like, you know, like you're ready and willing to win. I'm not manipulative, but I'm good at getting what I want um, in, a, in a clever way. Sometimes I feel that it's too bureaucratic in our tribe. I think we need to sign off in triplicate before we do anything. And that sort of doesn't sit well with me because I like to just go ahead and do it. What's worse, the cold or the snow? It's snow. So, Jen, are you enjoying Survivor? Someone else was wife or someone younger than my daughter. We're all such a nice bunch. I'll probably be more comfortable where there is a bit of conflict because I don't, I'm not comfortable with too much niceness all the time. How did it get started? We used a match. Starting to get fun. The creepy crawlies are definitely getting to me. Yeah, I don't like them. You know, I tell the other guys, look, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like the, the spiders and the scorpions and the centipedes and the earwigs. I'm not a big fan of this. When the going gets tough, they kind of light up in your eyes. Kaching. It's Cabina Lotto tonight. Anything goes. Tonight I'm voting for Karen. It's 24-7. It's um, lack of food, lack of sleep, freezing cold, boiling hot. It's thorough extremes. You know, we've only been here five days and already I'm exhausted. I don't know how much longer I'll last. You know what that means? It means anyone could go. Ka-ching! <laughs>